this week on Invasion of the Podcast. Who are you going to call? I don't give a shit. Did we enjoy Black Mirror Bandersnatch? Choose one. Yes or no. And we create the greatest video game of all time. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and to my left, as always, Steve. Hello, everyone. And uh, thanks again to uh, Kevin and Al Goro coming on last week to help us kick off our year of canon. I promise the canon talk will will not commence again and for a couple weeks because uh, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a full year. Also, I for, I, for, I I know last week I aside from stumbling through my points as we had a wonderful conversation, I mentioned a book that um i had ordered and yeah. you guys asked me the title of the book and i couldn't remember it is behind me sitting on the shelf but the spines turned away so i got it <laughs> and it's 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 a really small book for the price i paid for it but you know it's it's about canon films i'll be reading it i'm sure it'll give us some insight as we go along um but just a heads up uh end of the month will be our first canon film it is uh 1982 the apple i think some it's early 80s yeah it's either um, 81 or 82 yeah so we'll, we'll get there and then i'll have the list up for the year soon because i wanted to get this all finalized in advance so if people want to watch the movies and get excited for the amazing year we're going to have that'll be fun so we're going to do that um but again thanks those guys for coming on classing up the joint and making us sound way smarter than we normally are so we appreciate that yeah yeah so um yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the weekend proper or the life-altering experience that you had last night. You know, I don't think anything can compare to what last night really was. <laughs> the the experience that I had in a cinema not too far from here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so um, we've, we've t- I think I've talked about this before on the show. There is uh, um, an auteur out there named uh, Neil Breen. Uh, he... Um, we, we talk about a lot of movies on here that are of questionable quality, uh, and we have fun with it and we do try to find, uh, some joy in the, like it takes, it takes a lot of work to make a film. It takes a lot of work to make a bad film. You know, it's like, that's just the way it is. Right. So, uh, but he, if, if you say to people, well, yeah, I think bad movies are fun and they ironically love them or whatever. That's, I can't tell people like, you know, how they love things. Uh, but I feel like if people say I've seen the room, it's like, okay, well that's, that's a great, that that's a great introductory into the world that we could show you. Uh, but in, in, uh, Neil Breen makes Tommy Wiseau look like, I don't know, Steven Spielberg or Francis Ford Coppola. Like I, <laughs> it like, at least production quality wise, Tommy Wiseau had blown him out of the water in terms of what, what he could do with the film. But I feel like bad is an acquired taste. And I feel like bad, bad, good, meaning that there's difference between movies that are just bad. And you can like, there's no, there's no fun and no heart and no joy to have in them. And I think that there's these movies that have an earnestness to them that you can tell that the people making it believe what they're doing that makes those movies shine in a way that's hard to really capital, like to, to not capitalize on, but to, to explain to others. Right. And so I've been, I've been talking the, the stalling, the virtues of Mr. Neil Breen for a while now to you and to, to anybody that will listen 
this guy is like, he's made his money in architecture. I don't know. Maybe he's a really good architect. He's not a good filmmaker. But he makes these self-funded independent films that are part like power fantasy and power, part just male fantasy, but also part like message. Yes. <laughs> like, um, what that message is, I don't know. Um, yeah. My coming into the experience uh, and the film that we saw was uh, Twisted Pair. Yeah, I don't know if you'd mentioned that. We did not. We, okay. So, so uh, the local Cleveland cinemas, uh, the the one of the, the guy who is one of the people behind the midnight shift or the late shift with the melt picking the movies out for the year, he he's the one that keeps like trying to bring Neil Breen into everybody's lives because he's had showings of the film Fateful Findings and Pass Through previous to this, and then since this one just came out this past year. He made sure to get it to show it. So he's championing this guy because he knows it has that kind of midnight crowd appeal to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, But this one's the third time this one's shown at the Capitol. So it must so, be doing well. It, well enough. I mean, if you like, our crowd wasn't super big last night, but probably I would say half the budget of that film was in the theater. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. Um, it was a decent turnout. People had fun with it. But this was... This was your. It's hard to explain this what these movies are until you see them, but now you've seen it. Yeah. So now explain it succinctly for everybody else. <laughs> so I can't really explain the film, um, <laughs> but what I can explain is is what I got out of it, or the reason I think it was so enjoyable for me. Um, like you'd mentioned before, that we watch a lot of movies of questionable, questionable content or questionable um, value. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like anybody can make a bad movie. I mean, there are people who, you know, I don't think anybody really sets out to make a bad movie, but like sometimes when somebody believes in so much and it turns out awful, it still shines through like their belief in it. Um, like, I don't think Ed Wood ever fold himself into believing that he was making high art. I think he was trying to make movies that entertain. And yeah. He, and he, he would cut corners because he didn't have anything, right? So Plan 9 is not a good movie, but you can see him just dragging it across the finish line. Yeah, I went through a period in the like late 90s where I just fell in love with Ed Wood. I read um, his his book. Well, it's not his book. It's a book on him called okay. Nightmare of Ecstasy, which is one of my favorite books. Um, I loved, obviously, the Tim Burton movie. And then I went through like his entire catalog. And I... I really admire, and some of it did come through in like Johnny Depp's performance of him, but I, I really did admire um, the the blind optimism of just like didn't it was the worst picture you ever saw? Well, my next one will be better. Like yeah, like, that whole like thing just really struck a chord with me. Um, and whether you can call you know Glenn or Glenda or you know Bride of the Monster or even when you get into um, I think it's Orgy of the Dead, where it's literally like half just go-go girls dancing in half monster movie. <laughs> um, it, it gets far more All questionable. Right, I'm, I'm already in the, I'm in the seats for this. You yeah. Know, like, um. <laughs> but, you know, there at least, at least with a lot of what he did, there was a sense of he was trying to do something. Mm -hmm. And I admire that much more so than... You know, someone who makes just a, a bad movie for a buck, and I, I'm sure he, you know, he would have loved to have been wealthy because he he died basically almost in poverty and of alcoholism. So not a good you know way to go. Mm -hmm. But there's something I admire about that 
that wanting to create something that I'm talking with my hands. If I'm making a lot of noise, I apologize. Um, I try not dramatic, to do that on the podcast. Dr- dramatic <laughs> hand movements here is what's going on. Um, but I, I just I admire that earnestness, you know, and that's that's what I got out of this is that even though Neil Breen has made what I would say is a very terrible movie, the narrative is very cloudy, or I don't I shouldn't even say cloudy because there's a lot of clouds in the movie, um, <laughs> but it's it, it's it, not it, a clear narrative. It has some of the it has it's got similar some construction problems. Oh, absolutely, but it has some of the similar. Uh, elements of like an Edward film in the sense of like, oh, you definitely bought that bit of stock footage. You're going to use this over and over again. You, you are a music supervisor. You just bought this music from like a stock music house. Uh, you, that's a low res image of an alley that you're like, it's good enough for this film. Like, it, right. there's, like, oh, someone let me into like a sewage treatment plant. We're going to shoot something, like, or maybe that's just footage from. I don't know, but there's these. I will the, say that every actor in the film looked like they were given the direction pretend everything that you know about being a human being now act (laughs) yeah like there's some some very like porno style acting not in the fact that there's any nudity or anything like that but like you know how you know you'll sometimes uh joke about like oh you know the acting in that porn movie was real high quality who who ordered this pizza yes it's of that level um, yeah, well, well, when you consider that this is out in Nevada and he, you know, circling Las Vegas, and you question, you question aloud the women in the film. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, probably not too far off the, you know, the reservation in terms of where their talents lie in terms of being performers. Nothing, not there's anything wrong with that. It's just that if that if they do a certain thing and they do it well and it caught his attention, he's like, hey, you want to be in this important message of a film? And they did right. it. You know, good on them. They're making money and people see them. That's, I, you know, I can't fault them for that. Um, it it does feel like though that. I only I want to believe that he he explained to all the actors involved what he wanted, yeah. And none of them understood what he was saying at all. So like they were just like stun locked into giving what they gave. He probably has these amazing speeches on set explaining his worldview, and everyone's just like, I have no idea what's going on. Let's just uh, we'll get through it. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a scene that's uh takes place at like a in a boardroom, and for whatever reason, it's because the camera's on this side. Everyone's sitting at a table, but they're all on the same side of the yeah. table, which is kind of odd. But then, like, they each deliver their lines um, in a manner that like doesn't sound like they're having a conversation. Like, it's it like felt like somebody was sh- pointing at them, yeah. and somebody yelled, "Say your line." It was almost like they were doing a table read of a script for the first time, but there was no script in front of them and they had never read it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's sort of like <laughs> so, um, and, and you don't mention the fact that like this boardroom is actually like a, a state college that was at Nevada State College. And it seems like part of the agreement they had to shoot there was no one could turn lights on. Yeah. That feels like that was part of it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, honestly, I would have been, you know, so I would have been more surprised if it had been just, you know, had a disclaimer that was like, no, no, you know, this film was made completely with natural light or something <laughs> like that. Because you've been like, I respect that, yeah. I guess. <laughs> this, this, you know, this film was shot in all natural light and <laughs> and um, and nothing else. The, this, the, please be advised, there will be 30 minutes of walking aimlessly around a college <laughs> campus for no reason. No, it's hard to describe these movies unless people see them. And it's like the same thing of like. Um, I've had conversations with people where I get really excited about something like this and I want people to see it. And it's hard for me to show them how I see it through my lens. Yeah. But 
I knew within the first couple of minutes, like hearing you crack up, I was like, I knew you were in. Like it just, <laughs> and and, that, and not that this isn't like you know it isn't like a cult or anything, but either either you're going to find enjoyment in this, or it's going to just piss you off for an hour and a half, and that's it. Um, it would be one thing if if this was made ironically, like right. just to test people's patience, and you never get that vibe at all from the film. And that's where I think that's that that's the nectar of the gods there for me is like, why, why did you make these edits and decisions? And you thought that this was the best to present your message in your film. The odd thing though, is, is that there are times where there's some, some competent filmmaking in the sense that like a little bit like there's that abandoned building where he kept shooting himself in a hoodie and he was just kind of because sorry we the conceit is that neil breen not an attractive man plays himself sorry he plays the main character and his twin brother that has a glued on beard and that's not an exaggeration but there's moments where you're seeing this other brother like in these like you know the, I don't know, torn up areas. And it's like the camera kind of moves okay with some of that. And it almost feels like, like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if my band was out here shooting a video. Yeah. But it's like a mopey, like, emo band where it's like, this guy's just going to hang out in a windowsill for a minute, like, type of thing. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's like, you know, I don't want to say that I'm not giving him enough credit or I'm giving him too much credit <laughs> either way. But like, there were some things that I was like, okay, well, that's, that's actually like, you know, decent filmmaking in that sense like this is a well-composed shot or um you know because there is a lot of which is the thing that i guess i don't understand about his filmmaking is is that he seems to want to include special effects when he can't pull off the special effects um and you know i'm not a filmmaker so it's easy for me to be a critic but um, He's not either, by the way. I just want you to know that. I like kidding. I remember Robert Rodriguez talking about when he made El, El Mariachi, like he took stock of what he had access to, and that's what he put in his movie. Because he's like, yeah. okay, I know these things I have. These are the things I'm going to put in my movie. Um, and like I feel like in some ways he's done that, where he's like, I've got access to a, a community college or a college. I've got access to a hoodie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I like got access to me as myself, as my twin brother. Yes, he's got unnecessary like explosions and violence where it's just like it's. it's but it's not even the good violence. Like example, yeah. uh, to try to explain the context of the scenes make no sense. It would just drive us down to a, like a, a, a insanity well. But there's times where he fires guns at people. Or the gun, a gun's fired on screen, and you hear the bang, and you see the animated flash, which yeah. is a terrible animated flash. And then there's actually no gunshot, no nothing, no blood, but people have to react like they're being shot. Yeah. Which you know, if this was like you know a 1950s, 60s western, maybe you'd get away with that. But like, but even then, they'd fall off a horse or something. something. Yeah. yeah. Like they would actually sell it. There's no selling here. It's. It, I whatever it's just one of those things though. I feel like if you were to watch one of these films by yourself, like with 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 no context and in a room with nobody else around, I I think that would be a very unhappy time. I think it would be uncomfortable and boring and whatever. The magic of these films is when you have a few people that like get the like get that this is going to be a train wreck, but like a well-meaning train wreck. And you just you you enjoy the surprises of what he thinks is appropriate storytelling next. Yeah, and there's joy there, and it's like it is, it is. Un- I don't know how else to describe it. Like I'm I'm selling the breed experience too high, I guess. But 
I see this is the second time I've seen this movie in the theater. I still can't tell you what the goddamn thing's about, but <laughs> but hearing your reaction and you questioning aloud the nature of the film as it's unraveling in front of you was just that that is the that's the sweet stuff right there. That's what I love. Like uh cuz I know the first time I'd seen this one in the theater, the theater was fairly packed. Yeah. Like it was a pretty big crowd and it was pretty rowdy. So like even though one out of three jokes weren't funny that people were making. There was some really wonderful commentary. <laughs> like, like sometimes there'd be people just actually just like yelling out, like what is even going on right now? <laughs> and you have to be like, yes, I have no idea, but this is fun. I, I feel like I enjoyed it on one level being sober. I can only imagine like on a late Saturday night with a few beers in me, like how much that movie would either ex- excel or deteriorate and fall apart because I don't know. It could go either way. Yeah. It's just, it is, it is. So anyway, welcome, welcome to Breen country. Uh, yeah. I have four other films to get to apparently. <laughs> Evidently, so. I, I, I have uh, two other ones to get to. I didn't, I just, I've uh, not gotten to some other yeah, stuff. So. Our buddy rich who was there last night. Um, I think he, I th- think he said there were four others. I believe so. so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've seen three, I guess. Uh, Ugh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, to, to know that there's actually like acclaimed filmmakers out there that I've maybe seen one or none of their films, but I've seen three Neil Breed films. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. So this yeah. is going to go a little off topic for a second, but uh, I've never really had to put myself in the uncomfortable position of, uh, you know, in the sense that, you know, with where we are right now as a, I'm going way off topic. No, Never mind. No, no. We, we, no uh, just as an example, I have not seen, like, I've not even seen Roseberry's Baby for whatever reason, for being a horror guy, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Roman Polanski, I've never seen any of his films. Okay. And it's not because I have this moral quandary, it's just that I never saw any of his films, so I, I've i kind of come to a place where I'm like, well, I don't need to see them because I haven't seen them. Yeah, I see and I, I, I what you're saying, yeah. But, like, I've seen one Neil Breen film. So, <laughs> I mean, to say that this it is... It balances his, the scales out, I think. To say that this is his Rosemary's Baby would not be accurate at all. So, uh, you know, so, uh, so... I was trying to come up with a good analogy there, and I just no, couldn't... No, no, I, 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 I couldn't see stick your, the landing. Yeah, no, it's, neither could he, so it's very appropriate. Um, and then it'd just be a weird fade-out involving a green screen and an eagle. That's what it would be, so... Uh, yeah, um, maybe, you know, we should I, post some best of Neil Breen after the show so people get an idea of what, you know, because I, I know there's there's compilation videos out there, some of the weird stuff, yeah. or even some of the trailers. You're going to be like, this trailer, this can't be a real film. No, these, these are real and they exist. So anyway, well, welcome, welcome to the, welcome to the family, Steve. So there I'm, you go. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, was there anything else? Like, I know we didn't talk about the weekend. I know we spent 20 minutes on Neil Breen. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I caught up on some movies. I, I watched, uh, last year's The Predator, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, it, while it's no ma- means a, like, you know, it's not like it's a masterpiece or anything. It's quite enjoyable. And I think it's easily the best of the sequels that I've seen. Um, now I haven't seen, uh, the second alien versus predator. So I'm going to have to take that one out of contention, <laughs> I th- but uh, I think you're safe to say, that but I'm going to say better than predator Two. sight better. unseen. I could tell you that what you watch is better than alien versus predator two <laughs> and better than versus alien versus predator. Um, better than uh, predator two or predators. Um, I, I don't I didn't mind predators. The ending of that was kind of weak though. I don't even remember what my issue with with it was, but I just remember watching it. Adrian Brody like, as an action star. Is that maybe? that might have been part of it? But for whatever reason, it just didn't resonate with me. I I saw it once and I've not gone back to it. Overweight, uh, Samuel was it? Um, 
Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne like yeah. being the weird like I don't know like hey guys come on to hide up in this the ship engine <laughs> you can trust me not really I'm overweight Lawrence Fishburne like what yeah um, he's Marlon Brando <laughs> pretty much yeah uh, now yeah um, so I yeah I did not get to any uh, any movies this week I was just playing video games so um, which is fine because I I just I. I don't know. Every so often, I just fall headfirst into World of Warcraft, and then I realize the weekend disappeared, and that's bad as an adult. But I enjoy it so much. So yeah, I did some questing and round and round and round and round, and I got some loot, and that's all you can really hope for in that game. So sweet. All right, uh, let's just yeah, let's get on to some news. Eventually. everyone every week my buttons are the same the first one is how the show starts and the second one's the news button but when i go to the press it i'm like where did it go it's right there literally to the right of the first button i press it's the second button and i can never find it in time so you put a lot of pressure on yourself i do i and it's, it's just i want perfection because the, the show is pure perfection every <laughs> every moment. Meanwhile, I just spent like 10 minutes babbling on about Neil Breen. I, I spent 10 okay. minutes as well babbling on about And weird cat statues we didn't even get to. Little cat, yeah. cat not statues. I don't know what they were. Whatever. Uh, knickknacks that would just turn randomly at no point. You know, so. All right. Uh, news. Um, first thing. I, this came This came out last night supposedly uh, there's a new a new Ghostbusters movie coming that Jason Reitman son of Ivan Reitman, uh, who he's going to be, um, I think he's directing it. I'm not sure who's writing it, but this is coming out next year. So it's pretty far into production. It has to be. Uh, and they're saying that this is a true continuation to the Ghostbusters series. That means they're saying that the one that just came out like two years ago doesn't matter and doesn't count. And we're giving you a true sequel to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I, great. You know, like, it's just... <laughs> Great. I, no, like we 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 kind of talked about this a little before we started recording, but then I felt like we were going to get into like you know the heart of the conversation. Yeah. You know, make another Ghostbusters movie. That's fine. Make seven of them. That's fine. I will watch them because I like the idea of Ghostbusters. Right? I think it's fun. You like ghosts? You like busting? What's not? Yeah, the like? right. You know, busting makes me feel good. Right? Like you know. So that's all well and good. I. I don't like how it's like this is a true sequel. Whenever the previous one that just came out, you know, with the with the all female cast, uh, the whole thing there was like, well, it's like a spiritual sequel. There's going to be nods, and that wasn't good enough for people because they lost their shit because they decided to give other people the opportunity to make a movie in which they put you know fake science backpacks on and go fake fight ghosts. You know, mm-hmm. and people got so mad about it, and. I know I've only seen that 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 movie in the theater once, um, and we talked about it on the show when it came out. I really enjoyed it. Did it have problems? Sure. My argument, though, is that the original Ghostbusters, which I love, has problems too, and I don't really see how they're that separate from each other in terms of like you ruined this versus I don't know. Have you watched the original? There's there's some thread shown on that one too. You know, like yeah, whatever, and just. I didn't really need the fallout boy remix of the ghostbuster song. Like I like fallout boy, but it wasn't good, but you know, <laughs> let's, I mean, I, it's, I'm, you know, call a spade a spade there. That's fine. But, um, I, I, I don't know. Like it was fine. It had some really fun moments in it, but then people shit all over and didn't do well. And then they even had to change the name of the movie yeah. on video release to be like ghostbusters answer the call. So people would just not know it's the same movie by accident. 
Um, and even then, when that movie's coming out, there was still this promise of, no, we're going to make another one that is, you know, with the male cast, they're going to be connected. Like, they had the promise. Why Why does Ghostbusters have to have a gender? Right. So, seeing you, and I know you're, I'm going to give you a chance to talk, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm just running right through this. On Facebook, I've seen people post this story. And what, what was the one quote I said today, I saw today that made me just want to spit blood? It was someone posted about, they're like, they're excited for it, probably for whatever reasons. And someone wrote, this one counts. Go F yourself. What does that even mean? Like, this as in counts. the last one didn't count because it wasn't their Ghostbusters. <laughs> I put that in air quotes. I didn't know that this was such a sacred, like, lamb yeah. of, like, you know, hey, guys, I know. You know, the Bible's been, you know, written in many different languages, so many different versions. You don't go changing that sacred text other than to make it accessible. It's, it's the Bible and Ghostbusters. Those are the two things you do not screw with. Like, I, when did that become a thing? Yeah. I don't. I mean, here here's my thought on just the 2016 Ghostbusters uh, people made up their minds by the first trailer. Mm-hmm. The people who had the strongest reactions to the movie are probably ones who didn't even see it, and then were basing it off of the trailer. Because, yeah, admittedly, the first trailer that they released, I remember it not being great. No. But it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm not seeing that piece of crap. It's just like, oh, that, that, they didn't really stick the landing on that. I was more worried that they were leaning too far into remember, like, everybody remember Ghostbusters? It's yeah. like, if you're already starting out with something different, then just go different. You know, like yeah, I mean yeah. The, the the weakest parts. I think I've said this on the show before. The weakest parts of that movie are Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Yeah, their cameos are easily the worst things in the movie. Yeah, Bill Murray <laughs> brings that movie to a complete halt, and it's like, it's frustrating. Yeah, you know, because I love Bill Murray, but that was not good. Yeah, um, and I really like all four of those women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Kate McKinnon, like. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much longer she's going to be on Saturday Night Live. Cause I think that she's just going to be huge at some point. Well, I, my, my, I, I hope so, but I feel like she's been in these things that, like films, like you could tell some SNL people if they if they don't get the movies right off the bat and they leave, that you don't like. There's a lot of opportunities now with TV and all these other projects. She's going to be mm-hmm. fine, and it's going to be fun whenever she says leave SNL. I just can't think of another movie that she's been part of that's been a big hit. Yeah. She's been in a few. Like, there's the spy who dumped me that came out last summer. Yeah, uh, she was in that with I. Um, oh, I can't remember who else, but I know that she was one of the characters in that, and I, I guess it did okay. But yeah. I don't remember much about it's it. Her and Mila Kunis, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say Reese Witherspoon. I don't know why. <laughs> Brief aside, yeah. um, if uh, that's you know, so far, Saturday Night Live wants to uh, make a movie out of a Kate McKinnon uh, character. Uh, she's got a character that she plays, um, and like every time we meet her, it's her and two other people explaining some sort of experience that they've oh, had. Oh, like the UFO abduction yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I just want a movie about that character. <laughs> give me, give me like a fire in the sky, like or like some type yeah. of found footage thing of her. That like I don't know how far that premise would go, but. Uh, they've made lesser. They've made lesser satellite films out of lesser characters and skits. Yeah, you know. I mean, it would be a movie probably only for me, but I, I would. Dick love Ryan it. Gosling involved in it because yeah. he was clearly <laughs> enjoying the one time he was on there with her. Yes, but so, uh, yeah. you know, going back to Ghostbusters, I, honestly, the reactions of the fan base kind of have put me off Ghostbusters. Like, I should be excited about this Ghostbusters. The original film is in my top. 10 all-time favorite films you know and like it's not even like part two is like some wonderful masterpiece because two's got problems yeah like, well i mean so when i say i, I feel, when i say the first one has problems too i mean i'm not trying to 
tear it down just to prove a point of oh no. no so i mean i don't know if it, because it's in your top 10 of like all-time favorite films do you I don't are get, you are you able to see the forest for the trees in terms of like oh well this this maybe this doesn't work or it's like i feel like the resolution of that movie of them going to the tower at the end is so fast like yeah like it just wraps up i mean not the, the showdown with zool but like them like how the city suddenly gets behind them again they're just right there it's like how that happens so fast you know um there's some pacing and I know that movie, the way Dan Aykroyd wrote it, there's, there's the whole montage of them when they're doing their initial ghost busting. There's whole scenes in that film that got cut down that this didn't fit, that they just fit in the montage and you don't think twice about it. Right. Like the haunting of the fort where he ends up having a sex with the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like, which sure. it took me forever to get that joke. Like I never understood <laughs> like what was happening. Um, I also, um, uh, Learned uh, the term menstruating from Ghostbusters. I, for so long, did not know what that meant. Uh, so just, you know, kick I the found trap. out last year. Kick the um. trap. No. <laughs> not out last year. Uh, but uh, well, from the first one or the like, yeah, the first one. Okay. But like you know, I've only probably come to appreciate the second one for what it is probably in the last five years, or at least I rewatched it after Har- Harold Ramis died, and like it's it's. Uh, it's a lesser version of the first one, but the performances are all really great, and I think that's what I appreciate about the second one. And you got Vigo the Carpathian, yeah, which is a creepy like bad guy. Yeah, but there's yeah there's some great stuff in it too. But I'm just saying yeah. that like let's not act like you know everything after or everything up until 2016 was you know amazing. Like let's not act like yeah there aren't you know already chips in the the. Yeah, well, it's, just, it's facade, the same thing right now, and I feel like this is the same boat, and you, and you guys can fight me over this. I feel like just because there happens to be more movies, but there's a certain there's a certain level of forgiveness for like the Jurassic World and Jurassic Park sequels. You know, it's always just like, and then anytime I don't know, people are so much more forgiving of that, even though I've not seen Fallen Kingdom. I've heard it's an okay movie, but it also kind of goes off the rails in yeah. terms of what it's supposed to be doing in terms of the Jurassic Park type idea. I don't know. I, I thought, but there's this thing where those, it just seems like those are the two properties that get brought up and everyone's just like, this is what I love and it can't be like this, you know? And the Ghostbusters more so because I feel like there's a lot more latitude with like DNA and dinosaurs. I don't know. But there there's this weird protected status to some of these things that I don't think I've ever earned it, but people grew up with it so they love it unconditionally and they don't want to acknowledge it's I don't know if it's flaws or or they don't want to acknowledge that there's going to be a difference that wasn't made for them and how they see it right yeah I'm, you know and I I know that we go to the last Jedi well quite a bit on the show because of my like to be fair this is the first time we've talked about yeah. this in 2019 so. <laughs> you know uh but somebody had mentioned on a post that I made on Facebook they're like oh well you know this is you know the same response that like you know Lucasfilm had with uh, The Last Jedi when Solo came out, nobody went and saw it, you know, so that's, you know, nobody saw the the new Ghostbusters, so now we're getting the old Ghostbusters back, and and I think before we start recording, you had, you know, mentioned that, like, I don't think it's technically rewarding, but it's like... 
No, it feels like the, they're, they're, like with them directly saying this is a direct sequel to the original two Ghostbusters film. Like when they say this is a direct sequel, they're they're front loading their bet and yeah. they're, they're rewarding all the assholes that just jumped on this thing to begin. It feels like Sony's almost like, well, no, we got to do this right. Right. Get, get them on the bandwagon early and show them the goddamn car. Like just, <laughs> I like don't well, don't get me wrong. Like I have an Ecto one license plate at my workplace. Uh-huh. Like because I just it's just sitting on my desk because I thought it was cool when I got it because uh, it was part of a promotional package years ago when Atari was putting out the Ghostbusters game that was unofficially the third movie. Like that's how they got Bill Murray involved in his voice cast. It's like he's like I don't want to be in front of the screen anymore, but I'll come in and do voices. Yeah, and it, and. That game is hard as hell, so I've not finished it, but it's funny and it's well done. And part of the promotional package was an Ecto One plate. So I have Ghostbuster stuff in my life that I enjoy. So I'm not just trying to be a hater for hating. And I and I and it's just I don't know, man. I just feel like the moment you show that one thing everybody knows, it's just like they just get super excited now. And I So look, this is where yeah. where I'm a hypocrite, you know. I mean, um, yeah, me too. I, I you know I don't really want to see Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd or Ernie Hudson be Ghostbusters. Like, I really hope that there's no scene of them throwing on the proton packs. I really don't want that. You know Bill Murray's not going to be part of it. Just because I don't think he wants to actually... Because I think his concession was with the previous film. And when they say this is a direct sequel... You you know there's a torch pass. You don't know where it's going to be, but it has to be a torch pass, right? Or he he's going to pull you know Harrison Ford was like okay, but you got to kill me. <laughs> you know, I'd st- I respect that. But like, um, on that same token, like you were mentioning with the car, like I remember just utter joy. You know, when that first Force Awakens trailer came out and it ended with Han and Chewie on the Millennium Falcon. I lost my mind. I was actually like almost in tears because it made me so happy. So I realize that I'm a hypocrite and I'm not trying to like. But, but I think I'm the not- difference there would be with 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 that teaser just being like you just hear like a little bit of the music and then you see the Millennium Falcon. It's like that, that's a different reaction than actually seeing footage from the film. I, I think that I just I don't know, like the whole idea that they're just like the one we, we're not going to show you who's going to be in this film because, you know, the moment we reveal any of the actors that are not the original cast, people might get mad, right. especially if they don't have a penis, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but we're going to show the car. Right. You know, like it's just uh, so. Yeah. And the the point that I was trying to make with, you know, Last Jedi was was just that, you know, while I have my problems with, you know, the movie and it, and I've said before it's really just one problem. Um, uh, when it comes beginning to, and then through to the end. No, no. <laughs> uh, I just I never bought that Luke would try to assassinate his, I, I his nephew in his sleep. Um, regardless of the fallout of it, like I'm hoping that J.J. Abrams is like making um, the Star Wars movie that he wants to make. I hope that he's not like, well, people didn't like what Ryan Johnson did, and, and maybe he doesn't because he did throw, Ryan Johnson did throw a lot of his work away, but like, I, I don't want, yeah. I, I I don't want whatever episode nine turns out to be just be, to be like, and I'm, like, to a, try like a 180 course correction yeah. and make everybody happy again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, so yeah. uh, that's kind of what this feels like. Yeah, it does. And, I gotta be honest too. Like I, I feel like with at least the original Ghostbusters, I feel like Harold Ramis was also a very big part of that because he co-wrote with mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd left to his own devices is a weird, 
like he, he gets into almost, you're going to, you're going to hate me say this. He gets into like a Lucas territory of like, no one tells him no. So he gets in the, he gets bigger and bigger and out there. He needs somebody to balance his ideas. Well, I don't yeah. know if it's so much that as it is that like Harold Ramis was a comedy genius. Like look yeah. at the films that he did. Look at like the, the things that he wrote. Like he was a really funny guy. Um, and it showed in the movies that he directed. It showed in, you know, the scripts that he wrote. And, like, I feel like that's an important piece. Like, and I don't know who's writing this. I don't think they mentioned who's writing it. I'm sure that Dan Aykroyd's got his fingers you know, in it. He, they, they used to need to get Phil Lord and Chris Miller because they could do no wrong for me right now and have them write that. That would be, yeah. I'd be on board for that. I feel like, I know that they're like the band-aid for everything, but I think that they would actually, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I, I guess I, you know. We'll find out. Maybe next year I'm going to be like, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And, but I, like, I'm a weird old lady that has a voice. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I wish that I could be excited about this, but it just feels like exactly like you said. Like, it's, I, I would rather it just go away, unfortunately. And I hate to say that about something I love. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I, if it was a, a an animated movie, I'd be okay with it, or a cartoon series, or like, I don't know. Why don't they do like that? Why don't they just make it a a, a film version of the 1986 animated show? <laughs> <laughs> then people be like, "Why is Egon's have a blonde? Like, right. yeah. What's going on with that?" Uh, yeah, I just, um, I don't know. It's just, it's. It almost feels like it's too soon as well because I feel like it's like people finally stopped talking about like their frustration like or whatever it was yeah. right so whatever it just it, what's going to happen it, it might it might go the Jurassic World route of like it's going to be bigger but it's going to be the same goddamn thing and this is someone who bought Jurassic World on Black Friday after it came out and I've not opened it because <laughs> I'm like that movie was pretty fun. I'm like, I can't even convince myself to be like, sit down with my wife and be like, you haven't seen the dinosaur movie yet. Like what is wrong with me? I should be excited to watch dinosaurs. I mean, I, I enjoyed both of those movies, but I had the fortunate ability of a, not having seen either Jurassic park two or three all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of both, but I've not made it through either one of them. Um, and also like, I don't have that attachment that, yeah, like like my wife has like she loves all those movies. Like she she loves. My understanding is Lost World is the second one is the worst one. Um, and but the third one has a dream sequence in which a raptor talks to uh, Alan, <laughs> which I like, only know from I think honest, honest trailers. trailers. I was like Alan, like, I, like, <laughs> I said that to, I looked at Kathy. I'm like, is that in the movie? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, you're kidding me. That's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream sequence, but a raptor yeah. talks to him. Alan. So anyway, I'm sure we'll get more information as we go along with this Ghostbusters thing. And then the hate train will just keep on rolling. Not really hate train. The abject frustration train will keep on rolling. Yeah. And um, like I said, it makes me feel a little bit of like a hypocrite. But like I just I I don't I don't want to see the original Ghostbusters return. You know, as much as I was excited about Star Wars, as much as I. But Star, w- Star Wars w- is a bigger, as much as, even though, as much as I feel like they want to circle around the same six people over and over again, the concept of Star Wars is automatically bigger. Yeah. Than, and I'm not saying that you can't have a, you know, like, look, there, you know, funnily enough, there's a new Men in Black movie coming soon called Men in Black International that is still using the same framework, but Chris Hemsworth on that too. So, I mean, yeah. you know, 
I, whatever. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But I'm just saying, like you, you could still take things and, and go different directions. But Ghostbusters never felt like like a, an entire universe. You know, like if you made a new Ghostbusters film and say, listen, this is going to be a new one. It's not going to have the original actors. It's not going to be the previous one, but it's going to be set. It's going to be set in San Diego. It's going to be some laid back surfer dudes that just catch ghosts on the side. Like I don't, it's a bad idea for a film. You shouldn't let me write it, but whatever, go do your own thing. <laughs> it's not going to break my love of the, you know, of Ghostbusters. And it's not going to be like, Oh, well, this world is just too well fleshed out. You know, this could never happen. Right. You know, like, whatever what what if they do like a point break thing where it's like you know they have ghostbusters but they have one go undercover as a ghost to go break up like a ghost like ring well what i keep thinking of is like he has to kill himself to become a ghost though (laughs) to go deep cover that'll be bill murray um (laughs) we uh we have uh you know a good 30 years from well ghostbusters 2 was 89 so it's literally 30 years ago that the second movie came out um, I, I can't help but wonder, like, you know, I, I think back to, well, what would have been, like, when I was growing up, things that were brought back out, you know, um, and the one that I always think of is, is, like, were there people, like, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, but were there people losing their minds over the fact that somebody remade the thing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. were there people who were just like, "That's not my version of the thing." You know, uh, you know. And- there's probably one or two old people shaking their fists at you know the people going to see. Well, that's just gore. You know, right. like <laughs> that's not a vegetable monster. Like the fr- they've ruined the integrity of that film. You know. So you know, I I do wonder. Like, is it just always been this way, and I've not noticed, or you know, maybe as I've gotten older, maybe I'm just less. I'm getting more crotchety, but also less like I just want to be entertained. So I don't really want to. No, I think I think it should be a case by case basis. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, uh, things get remade, you know, all the time. Like there's a new Pet Cemetery coming. Like I think we talked about that trailer on here where yeah. uh, where it was like it could be great. That trailer seems a little weird in the sense of like I don't know where they're going with it. Maybe maybe that's my perception of what. Actually, this will tie into next week very very well. We'll, we'll talk about next week's topic like we'll get to the end of the show two hours from now but my perception of what (laughs) what i know and what i've enjoyed and then if if someone comes up with a different vision and a different take um i shouldn't immediately dismiss it because it's not what i'm familiar with it's just whenever you see some things if if this like with with, let's say with that first ghostbusters trailer if if that's their their first best foot forward and you're like i don't know how i feel about this then i think it's still okay to kind of have some like you know caution and some red flags but you still shouldn't immediately dismiss something like completely until you see the completed product right so mm-hmm. so i think it's okay to be like with this new announcement i'm sure jason reitman has his heart in the right place i mean for goodness sakes he was in the second film you know yeah uh so he grew up around ghostbusters so i'm sure he has a love of it oh, i have no like problem with jason yeah. reitman or no anything. he's a, he's a really good filmmaker yeah. you know like so um, just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, at least, at least it's someone that we know that could make it like, you know, a good competent film as opposed to Sony just like, you know, picking somebody that made a really cool YouTube video and be like, here you go. You get to make a movie now. Cause that seemed to be the rage there for a bit with all horror films. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I so, just, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to a place where I can muster some enthusiasm. Maybe that place will come. Maybe it won't. Yeah. So, all right. Next next story, just because we talked, like, again, it's, it's a weird episode. We spent too much time about the things that we didn't like. Uh, and next, we're going to have something that we're very excited yeah, about. Yeah, which, like, so here, us being hypocrites, there was a trailer for the new Spider-Man movie that makes us really excited to watch it. 
I the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer just came out. Um, here, one thing though, people are always like, "Well, it ruins Infinity War." It's like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I guess I'm surly tonight, but it's like you didn't think for a second that like that whatever the resolution is for Infinity War that there was probably going to be some rollback and reset. It could still change the the landscape as we know it, right? right? And characters could still grow and develop after. But to think that, you know, even though they announced Far From Home a while ago, but it's like everyone's like, you know, everybody's safe. No one, we don't know that. We don't know who's safe and who's not safe. Well, we know Spider-Man's safe. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so... I just whatever I, I I think that's kind of a, a like a a weird way to look at it, but I'm just excited there because there was no chance that it's like okay here's another spoiler for you Black Panther made a billion dollars last year. Yeah. There's no way he's staying gone. Well, you know what's set after the disintegration? Like someone just went through with a little tiny tweezers and picked up every piece of Black Panther <laughs> and was like, we, no 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 no, we're bringing him back. Like, like, like there's just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like, yeah. it, it does not spoil Infinity War. There was one thing though that I was looking for in the trailer, and I couldn't figure it out. Happy walks in with that check. Yeah, and I was looking to see if somewhere on there was like a Tony Stark memorial or something yeah. on there. So I was like, I wonder if he's really out because he's not in this one apparently. Yeah, and the, the people say there's some hints there, but it's like I think you're reading too much into it until yeah. we don't know. We we don't what we don't know until whatever, right? So. Uh, it looks like it. It looks like it's going to be a fun film. Like I. And how are they supposed to market the movie without revealing that Spider-Man makes it out of the next <laughs> yeah. Infinity War because of the fact that, or the next Avengers movie? Considering it comes out like three months afterwards. Yeah, and 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 all the press around Infinity War or whatever. You, sorry, Endgame. Endgame. Sorry, yeah. whatever. You know, we we never said it was two. Like it would be two parts of a film. Yeah, whatever. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> I. They they said that that that. Far from Home would be the launch of what they call Phase Four, not Phase Four, whatever this like their their newest phase is. Like this will kind of like this will show you the landscape of what's going on. And I know I said that earlier, but they've they've said that this would be the first one to kick off what comes next. So whatever, it's fine. I we're bearing the lead though. the The biggest thing though is that not only do we get to see Mysterio. The, you know, we get to see with the fishbowl. I know. <laughs> and I know we just, this makes us hypocrites because we're like, goddamn car Ghostbusters, fishbowl Mysterio. I'm super excited. Well, I watched it the first time because I was at work when they debuted it. Yeah. I watched it on my phone. I didn't catch that he was wearing the fishbowl. Yeah. And then I got home and I watched it. Actually, after Neil Breen last night, I went home. I was like, I got to watch the trailer on the big screen. I'm like, oh my God, he's, he's actually got the fishbowl. And yeah. I'm like, so excited just to see that. And like the fact that, the suit looks a lot like the way Kazada drew it in mm-hmm. um, the Daredevil run that he did okay. with Kevin Smith. Uh, just that made me happy. Um, yeah, just like the fact that like uh, it, it it looks like the most comic booky suit, yeah. but not in a bad way. But that's kind of Mysterio's shtick, right? Is that he's very theatric, right? And right. like he and. For everybody that's just like, oh, he's what is he a good guy? Like, right? We, we that's not to spoil anything, but Mysterio likes preying upon people's assumptions of things and what they want to see, you know. So maybe that would be a great double switch if they're like, no, he's actually a good guy this time, and then it goes through the whole movie of like, oh, like, that would be, <laughs> and then maybe like the post credits, like, haha, I was a bad guy the entire time. I'm like, oh, Mysterio, you got me. Well, I guess Michael Keaton is somewhere in the movie as well um that's so, cool uh, yeah i'm excited to see him good on a him. marvel film not killing the villain you know like yeah. and i i liked him as the vulture like i, oh, just, I loved just him as so the vulture. good 
Um, yeah. That movie actually, I think, was my favorite superhero movie of that year, which was what 2017. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm super excited to see it. And the the thing that I I always say that I'm you know I'm a big person. I'm a big person. I'm a big person. I'm a big person. I'm a big character guy. Um, I will often forgive a plot if I like the characters enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I loved about Homecoming was I loved all the characters. Obviously, you love Peter Parker and whatnot, but like what they did with um, MJ, what they did with um, Ned, Ned, all that stuff I loved. So when we get in this trailer, like a little little pieces of that, mm-hmm. I love when uh, he's walking into his room with Ned, and Ned just goes down like a rock in the ocean because uh, Nick Fury shoots him with a tranquilizer dart um, to uh, his little discussion with MJ about uh, her being pretty and she's like oh so that means I have value and he's like oh, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then the end with Flash is one of my favorite like tags to a trailer <laughs> yeah. ever where he's like he's talking about Spider-Man and how he's so cool or whatever. And then he just looks over at Peter Parker and he's like, Hey, dick bag. Yeah. And, and Peter shoots him a thumbs up. Like, yeah. thanks. I appreciate it. You know, like, yeah. So yeah, the fact that like the trailer had some really great character moments already in it. Um, it feels like the, some the awesome action, uh, the director, which is failing me right now. I feel bad. Cause he's, uh, was it wall last name wall. Um, I want to say John Wall, but I think that's a basketball player. That sounds <laughs> he plays for the Wizards, I think. Uh, let's see here, Far From Home. Uh, there, there was a film that he did before Homecoming, which uh, I don't know if you've seen, called Cop Car. Um, that's actually what landed him. Um, Is that the one with like Kevin Hart? Ba- and- Kevin Bacon. No, you're thinking Ride Along. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so um, let's see here. Uh, what's the, the 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 guy who's directing this? Also directed the first one. He did Cop Car. That's a Kevin Bacon film where it is uh, these two kids are just like out playing in like the Texas like countryside, and they just find a cop car, oh. and it's um and it, like the keys are in it. John Watts, yeah, the guy who, he wrote and directed that. Like he did really good there with like kids just being kids and the way they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And you see how that translates really well to Homecoming. So, and I know they said that Homecoming was basically a John Hughes film with superhero stuff. I still feel like they got that nice vibe of like, these are, like you said, these are characters that you care about. And it's going to be a, like a fun Spider-Man film. Yeah. Like that feels like the stakes are higher here, obviously, but it's going to be a romp. Like, I mean, it, I don't know if it's going to end on a dark note. Cause I know they're going to make, th- there's supposedly three or four of these films in the works for the Spider-Man. Like the, it's supposed to be one per year of his time in high school, I think. Okay. Supposedly. Um, but I don't know. I just, I homecoming, like I'm the biggest Spider-Man guy ever. And homecoming was like a wonderful course correction of bringing that character back. The, what I loved about him, and then into the spider verse just took it that much further. And yeah. it, um, so it's a good time to be Spider-Man. I mean, honestly, that's the only thing that I think it could top it at this point is if they, well, I know they're already going to do a second end of the spider verse. Mm-hmm. I know that that's already been announced, but like if they can find a way to somehow bring a miles Morales live action film out too, I'd be there. Cause they're they're right now. They're having a, a really great batting average for me. Like, yeah. um, I'm surprised Sony, it seems like they took, they took the right notes from Kevin Feige and Marvel was like, uh, you guys are sure. Well, actually that's not true. The Spider-Man stuff, they've taken the notes from, I haven't seen Venom, so I can't comment on it. It's okay. Like I, whatever your mileage may vary, but it's like, it feels like superhero films from like 15 years ago where it's like, this is the best we're going to get. So let's enjoy it. And, but we've been spoiled so much that 
had Venom come out 15 years ago, it'd be like the greatest goddamn thing in the world, you know? It but, made a ton of money, which I still don't understand. I, but. Me neither. <laughs> it's, but it was okay. It wasn't the worst thing I've seen, and it was okay. But that's not that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, Far From Home looks like it's going to be fun, and I just... I loves it, and I want to watch it right now. So, all right. Uh, last bit of news before we get into hour two of the show. Uh, today, as we're recording this, uh, the January 16, 2019, it is John Carpenter's birthday. Um, I believe he turned what, 70 today. Um, we're going to find that out. We're going to verify. And just to let you know, Rotten Tomatoes, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so John Carpenter. It's not. It's not like the biggest news, but the but the Halloween, the new Halloween film just came out on um, Blu-ray as of this week. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's it's cool. Like his score on that's amazing. Uh, his his you know his overseeing of that film was good. We've talked. I think we've talked about that yeah. uh, previously. Um, I know, still listen to that score too. Like typically, I like the Halloween music. I only listen to probably from like I don't know August when I start getting into the the Halloween vibe. Sorry, he'd be seventy one today. Seventy one, so, yeah. But like uh, I'm still listening to that soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. Yeah, it's good. It's it's really good. Um, and I know we've we've gushed about how much we love John Carpenter. So he's still out there. He's still he'd rather just make music, uh, smoke cigarettes, and play video games. <laughs> but whatever, man. Like you know, you've earned you've you've earned to do the the ability to do whatever you want to do. And if he doesn't feel making movies anymore is what he wants to do. That's fine. Yeah. You know, The Ward was the last one he put out, and it was okay, but uh, it wasn't I great. still haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's not. it wasn't his strongest work. Let's just, we'll just say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, at least maybe he can go off into the sunset more than, like, a Romero, where Romero kept, I mean, I you know, he kept trying, which is not a bad thing, right? But you could see that there was, people were not as, you know, his work, his, people were more going because it was him, not because of the, the importance of the work or the quality of the work. Well, it was um, un- unfortunate that, uh, you know, Land of the Dead didn't do as well as it did, because I think Land of the Dead is even more prevalent today, like or not prevalent, I'm sorry. Um, the commentary it, is, is yeah. it, it gets more and more. It, um, it gets stronger as it goes along. And I loved that one when I walked out of the theater. I actually... Um, chose that as my pick for El Goro's uh, Patreon last year. Yeah. So he discussed that on his show. Um, but with Romero, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead, um, you could see the strain of him doing it low budget. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't work quite as well as you know the previous four films yeah but, i did i didn't see survival of the dead i saw dire the dead and it was just kind of like i, mean, I own it like I, it's still like it was an okay idea it just didn't come together you know yeah. like uh it's it's him doing found footage which and it's just is, not great yeah. yeah but i did like that like uh various like famous people like they had, they had stephen king being one of the college people or like and, uh, the running commentary like there's like a Colin mm-hmm. show and it was him just bitching about stuff i forget what it was but <laughs> him, he called it a favor to have him talk <laughs> Um, but if you're, uh, interested, um, and I actually, uh, threw this in my comiXology as well, cause it was on sale. Uh, he did a series from Marvel right before he passed. Um, Romero. Called, okay. Yeah. George yeah. Romero. Um, Stephen King's still alive. Uh, <laughs> and John Carpenter has a and John Carpenter. happy birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got onto Romero. I'm sorry. No, Long I, story I, short, I brought Romero. Empire yeah. of the Dead's a really great series, uh, that was put out by Marvel right before he passed. Okay. So, so all but right. Yes. Uh, long live, uh, Carpenter. And it's, it's kind of sad because, uh, you know, in the last uh, five to ten years, we've lost Wes Craven, we've lost Toby Romero, Hooper. To- Toby Hooper, like Carpenter is, I think, the last of that sort of pillars of 
that era of filmmaking. So, yeah, and he's still out there just being surly, and I like it. So, and I he he goes out and does concerts. Like, yeah, I would love to catch him in um, concerts. Yeah, I. That's a regret. I know he came to Detroit about like a year or two ago, and yeah. it's like I and he still basically he puts out these albums that are just like lost, like lost themes or whatever. It's oh, just like yeah. him just being like, "You guys like synth shit? I'm gonna keep making it. It's great." It's yeah, I don't have the second lost themes, but I have the first one. It's yeah. really good. So happy birthday, Mr. Carpenter! You have influenced my life more than I probably realize. Who do you, you think know? you are remaking the thing? Right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Who you are remaking Village of the Damned, um, you know. um, which, you know, that movie's not perfect, but there's good ideas in it, you know, and Christopher Reeves is up, you know, walking around. So that's pretty good, too. I think that was his last. It was, it was his last uh, yeah. before, you know, everything happened. So uh, anyway. All right. Let's let's just get to our uh, let's just get to. Let's talk about some uh, uh, Bandersnatch. Some Bandersnatch. And now for our feature presentation. I almost said Benedict Cumberbatch. No, so part of the genesis for this for this talk, uh, besides from the fact that I really just want to talk, I wanted to get your reaction to the Netflix, uh, the, the 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 Black Mirror event. It's it's you know it's basically an episode, but it could be run movie length. So, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's the, the, called Bandersnatch. Uh, that um, not only because it came out and it's it's cool to talk about, and I like Black Mirror a great deal. Um, it just recently, uh, Trick or Treat Radio, another wonderful podcast, they covered this last week, okay, and uh, um, like listening to their take on it, and I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I, I want to say things, you know, and I didn't get a chance to say my piece, which is I loved it, and now we're done. No, uh, it's just I, you know, I we just talked about Neil Breen for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, now? it's like. You know, the main event. Not the main event. Bandersnatch. Watch it. It was pretty good. No. Uh, so, um, the, we'll just I'll say here before we get started. If you've not seen it, um, I would recommend not listening to this part of the conversation. As much as we're having fun talking about it, I do not want to rob anybody of like the, the, this. It's a it's a choose your own adventure uh, style show, which the people that own that copyright are now suing, uh, Netflix and, uh, black mirror because they, they say they own the name and it's like, you own the name. There's nowhere in the marketing yeah. for this that says, choose your own adventure. But how else do you describe it is a, an interactive experience in which you decide what happens next. That's kind of wordy, you know? Mm-hmm. But so anyway, uh, if you've not seen this and you have Netflix, go check it out. It's worth your time. Uh, you know, maybe you'll get through it faster than others. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll make some decisions. You'll be done in a half hour. Maybe and this is uh, unrelated to the actual content, but uh, you have to be careful about what you're using to watch it. Um, we're an Apple family, um, so we were trying to watch it through our Apple TV. Um, when you go to play Bandersnatch on an Apple TV, it comes up and there's a, a, a basically a, a sorry from Netflix saying this is not compatible with. Uh, with the, what you're trying to watch it on. So we had to actually watch it on a laptop. So that was a little frustrating. That's the only down thing that I can say about it is, is that I wish it had been formatted so it worked with no matter what you were watching Yeah, on. that is that is unfortunate. But, um, you know, if you have an Apple TV, you're probably going to have to watch it on a uh, MacBook or a laptop, I should say. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to hit the spoiler alert right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> Because, again, like if you guys have not had a chance to see this and you have a passing interest, just 
the the conversation we're going to have about this, I'm sure, is going to be odd because it is the nature of decision and is the nature of consequence of decision. So the story that you saw, I think, ultimately ends up in the same place, but the decisions that you made with your first time going through it are different. I'm I'm absolutely sure, certain they're different than the decisions I made going through it. So the conversation is going to be weird. Let's just straight up say that. But um, as if the first hour hasn't been. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, so. Um, this was uh, written by Charlie Brooker, who's written the book of the series and is creator of of Black Mirror, uh, which took me a while to figure out that when he was talking about black, like the phrase Black Mirror is talking about the screens on your technology. It's a Black Mirror. Um, And it's, yeah, because this whole, the bulk of Black Mirror is always kind of like, what if 15 minutes into the future type of thing? And it's always surrounding technology. Um, People say it's like the twilight zone. It is in the sense that morality shows up in this and it gets really dark. Um, But most of this is grounded in technology. Like I'd say, well, actually it's, yeah, all of it has technology implications to it. So it's, it's a little different beast of its own. But when I finally figured out he was talking about the, the black mirror being actually our phone screens, I'm like, Oh, well that makes a lot of sense. So, um, uh, Charlie Brooker, he has a nice like. So he, there's a nice dark streak of humor through most of the episodes, but they're very savage, uh, and they will leave you, you know, just devastated. But you want to watch the next one because they're really good. So, I was talking to Steve before we started recording. You had only seen a couple episodes of Black Mirror before watching Bandersnatch. Yeah, um, the two that I had seen. Um, and unfortunately, I, I had pulled them up to uh, see w- which episodes they were. And now a story of you. Yeah. And then um, um, 15 million merits. Yes. Yeah. Or uh, credits or whatever. Yeah. Um, which were both amazing shows. And I do not have a good reason for not having gone on and watched more. <laughs> um, but because there's only I looked it up, there's only 23 episodes. So I'm like, why am I not watching this? Why am I not burning through it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I probably saw you know a dog with a puffy tail and got distracted and haven't well, gone back because a lot of the episodes are close to an hour. Some of them lead over longer mm-hmm. than that, so it is a commitment. Um, but I, it's I was a little late to the game with this too because the first three seasons, sorry, the first two series, which were each three episodes, were done through the BBC, right? And then there was a Christmas special called it was Black Mirror White Christmas, and it's like an hour and a half. It is messed up. Um, then that, after that, Netflix I brought it over to, then they kept making new content. I was worried at that point because I didn't think uh, they would have the same um, creative people involved. But Charlie, Charlie Brooker is the main guy behind it. He's written the bulk of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I guess he is your Sterling in a way in a lot of this. But so with this, so season four um, of Black Mirror uh, came out and then they said, well, there'd be more episodes coming in 2019. This, this episode in particular caused so much... Um, challenges in terms of what they did and the programming side of things, which is funny that you bring up your Apple TV. There's a lot of tech that went into this Mm -hmm. to make it work. Not only just for like all these different platforms, like we watched it on our PlayStation four the first time, Um, which side note, if you set the controller down and aren't paying attention and it gives you the option to make a decision, the controller starts like, like, you know, rumbling and I did, it scared the shit out of me because I hear (laughs) like, I hear this really loud, like, like, (laughs) like on the table. I'm like, what, what, you know, and it was like, I gotta make a decision now. You know, my decision was what myself. And I said, yes, you know, is what I did. Um, um, And then the second time I watched it was on, on a computer, just like with Google, like the Chrome. And yeah. it was whatever it was fine, but so that took that. It, but there was actually like five hours worth of material shot in terms of once you get down to actual story and editing and everything mm-hmm. that it has co- now caused the rest of the season of Black Mirror to be delayed for quite a while. So 
enjoy it. We're not getting much more, so you got a chance to get caught up. So um, yeah, I will say that like that had to be quite an undertaking. Um, yeah. it's tough enough to make something with one single thread running through it. Um, and have it come out to be as good as this turned out. Yeah. Um, but to do it where like there's multiple decisions and multiple ways that those decisions affect different versions of the story, that that alone is a is an undertaking. Yeah. So I mean, again, if if you guys have seen this already, you know the story, and if you haven't, you shouldn't be listening. But on the off chance you're like, I'll never watch this. Uh, just the, the the long and the short of it, real quick, is that it's set in the mid '80s, uh, in in London. Um, in England, it's I, I, I'm so bad about geography. It's like, well, they have an accent. It has to be London. I'm going to guess it is London, though. Um, where there is a guy named Stefan uh, who is kind of like socially awkward. Uh, lives with his dad, and he is going to go pitch his game, his video game version that he's writing and making himself of a property called Bandersnatch, which is based upon a book that was written by, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember a, an author named uh, Jerome F. Davies, right? Mm-hmm. So he's now he's taking his 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 vision to this game company called Tuckersoft, and he's pitching it to the main guy behind that, and and that's where the story kind of starts off. But it starts off simply enough with your uh, at your kitchen table, and it gives you the choice of what breakfast cereal that you want to eat. And I think it does that for two reasons. One, to show you how the system works, mm-hmm. and two, to make you even begin to question of like, oh shit, what. If I choose the sugar puffs versus the frosted flakes, is this going to cause the entire thing to cascade and become like this hellscape of decisions? <laughs> um, you know, uh, and so that gives you that decision, and then like the next decision is like what music to listen to on the way to Tuckersoft, and and it's like it kind of it kind of eases you in, and then so whenever uh, you had Stefan at the office the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, when they gave you the opportunity to to work in office or say no, what did you do? Um, I'm going to answer that, but, but first, I just want to ask if this if this was something that uh, you had wondered about yourself. Um, and this is just us talking about in you know in present day the fact that there's a lot of IP out there and a lot of people using other people's IP to create things. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you think it was weird that, that nobody was like, do we own the rights to this book? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Cause like, they're like, he, he gives them the presentation and they're like, great. We want to make this game. But there's also, never a discussion th- about having the There right was a discussion about, well, like, wasn't that the guy that killed his wife? Yeah. It's like, I don't think people are really jumping <laughs> at like, you know, at the chance to get the rights to the murder book, you know? And maybe so. that's just me. No, that's funny that you like, say that. You know? Cause that was the thing that I focused on. I'm like, well, who has the right? Yeah. Um, so I guess I should back up a little bit there. When you first get to the office, you're, you're introduced to uh, another character of Colin, who is like the hotshot programmer for Tuckersoft. And he's like, and Stefan's like played all his games except for the Commodore ones because he doesn't have a Commodore. Yeah. And there's this little interaction there where uh, Colin's showing off his new game that he's making. And there's an error in the game. And he, you know, is trying to figure out what's going on. And, and Stefan just kind of watches it. And he's like watching this guy figure out his thing. And then he goes in to pitch the game, right? It's important I bring that up. So the decision that you made. The decision that I made was to stay in the office or work in the office to complete the game. Yeah, which this immediately gives you basically the equivalent of the game over, Yeah, uh, which is kind of funny because it takes the piss out of you. You're like, wait, that's the right decision, right? So it ends up fast forwarding like six months. Uh, you know, Stefan's like sitting on the couch at Christmas and he's seeing like this game review come out saying like, you know, this is bland, boring, like basically got killed by like, you know, committee. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, but then it gives you the option of going back. Right. So when you go, which yeah. I found weird, yeah. like, cause that doesn't really play into the narrative. That's, that's the only thing that what I, the option going back. Yeah. Cause it's like, how does he go back? It's like, he just says, I'm going to go back. But, but that's that I'll argue that it is part of the narrative later. Uh, so depending, well, I guess depending upon where you went with the story. Yeah. So the, what it does, then it does this kind of clever thing of fast forwarding through the first few minutes that you've already been through in the story. But there's a bit though, when you first encounter Colin and then the game he's working on doesn't work right. Stefan's like, this is your problem. And he's like, how did you know that? He's like, I just know this. Yeah. And Colin's like, we've met before, haven't we? And that's the first moment I'm like, this is going to be something weird. Like I knew it was going to be black mirror. It was going to be twisted, but yeah. it's like the narrative's already starting to fold into itself within the first few minutes, you know, of like, wow, these characters are aware of things they shouldn't be. And even later when they're pitching the whole thing of Bandersnatch, you find out that Colin hadn't originally read the book until the second time through and he'd already read it. Like he's talking about in the meeting. Yeah. And it's like, well, so there's this already this thing of like, you're on uneasy footing through the, through the narrative. So then as you go along, once you've picked the, the first ending, quote unquote, it becomes this thing of uh, like, you know, since Stefan's choosing to work at home, you find out that he's had some trauma because of his mom dying when he was younger because of things. I don't know. We don't have to get into that unless you actually figured out what was going on with that whole story. Well, um, I just want to say that yeah. like it plays in the narrative in the sense that he believes a choice that he made. Yes. Caused that event. Uh, yes. So, um, so you find out that he's kind of been this, like, you know, he, he's been on medication um, there, there's been some, you know, uh, he's not been, he's not had the strongest foundations. His father's been kind of resentful or so he thinks, you know, so it kind of goes through this whole thing of him working home, trying to work on this game that's based upon a book that was all about these multiple choices that it was eventually the work of that was so much that it drove the original author to kill his wife. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to interrupt just yeah, going please, in, no, please. into the, yeah. the, character the father did you get a vibe from him other anything other than a father just trying to connect with his son i I never got like a like a vibe of either an antagonistic vibe or like he's trying to just do right by his kid and sees that he's still hurt by what's happened i get the whole thing of like he does does not understand his son but he's well-meaning so it's like he can't really so like whenever he uh he tells his dad he's like oh yeah like before he before he has the pitch meeting he's like He's like, yeah, I'm going to go pitch the thing. He's like, oh, what's that? He's like, Bandersnatch. He holds up the book. And he's like, well, is that your mother's book? Like, he's not connecting that this is, like, important to his son. You know? So you get that vibe. But so um, once we go through the whole thing of, like, you start figuring out he's working on this game at home. And he's talking to his therapist. And the other option there of talking about your past or moving on, um, which I don't know what you chose there initially. Did you have him talk about his past? I'm trying to think now. I believe we did. Okay. So, I, which which my wife and I, we did that one first time through. I'm like, of course, we got to figure out what's going on with this kid. So you find out what's going on there. But then uh, it kind of starts spiraling out as he's working on this game uh, that he is starting to lose. He's starting to believe that there is something else out there that's controlling him. And he's not wrong. <laughs> like, like, And that's where I enjoy this is that like when you think this is just like, oh, what am I going to choose for this character? But then you start to realize that the look on his face is when you're making decisions that he's aware that a decision is being made that he is so compelled that he has to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, how you felt about that, but I thought that was like wonderful to be like, this poor guy is in like, he's in hell and we're just clicking and choosing things for him to do. And he does not understand what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, it comes into play even further later on where like he's, 
he's compelled to do something and you see him trying to not do it and yeah. his hand shaking simply from the action of trying not to do it. Yeah, there's a point, point where he's visiting his uh, therapist again where it's like either chew fingernails or, or tug his earlobe. Yeah. And no matter which one you choose, because the second time I went through, I chose the opposite. Okay. He still has that bit where he has his hand on the table. He's like, I don't like, you know, I don't want to do this, you know? So it, it's still, it's, it's the whole thing of like, he he doesn't believe that there is a choice. He be- And so as he's going along, you start finding out like he's obsessed with these branching pathways. That is what is a prominent idea in the book of Bandersnatch and this image of what it looks like. Just it's, it's a two path choice. It's a little, it's a little uh, pos- uh, probability tree, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one that splits into two. And you see through this crime scene photos of the author that, that killed his wife that wrote the book. This is like scrawled in blood all over the place. And then you start to find out as he's programming the game, he has this whole, he has the crazy person wall with everything stapled up to it that has this, the symbol, the choice over and over and over again. So you begin to like, Oh, is his obsession with this other person's work that then drove them to murder? Is it affecting him the same way? And then the entire time we're making choices as a narrative that's forcing him to be compelled. So it becomes this whole big warped question of, is there even, is there even free will to begin with? And even with us making a decision, is it even us exerting free will? You know, because honestly there's ways to finish the story in terms of your viewing of Bandersnatch real quickly, but then it gives you sometimes the option of going back. And I feel like there's two or three times that, the overall narrative of the of the story of Bandersnatch cannot move forward unless you have a couple key moments. Mm-hmm. I like so sorry I keep just blabbing on here. Um, the bit with the therapist, I the second time I went through, I actively did everything in my power to not talk about his past and his mother. Mm-hmm. And then I would go and finish the story, and it'd always be like go back, and it'd always flash the TV screen of saying talk about your mother. Like it wouldn't unlock like the other two thirds of the experience Oh wow! until I went back and did that. But spoilers, I still was able to go kill my dad and, um, and finish the game without talking about my mother. Like, so I was able to do that. And because it was so like quick and savage, I got a five star rating. Like for like, you know, like there's always that one little nerdy kid. That's always revered kid. He's like a 20 something. It's always on that uh, video game show at the end. Most of the endings have him giving his review of Bandersnatch, like yeah. based upon this his is bo- the perfect game. Yeah. I got, I got five out of five just straight, just tearing through, not talking about uh, my past, not going with Colin later. Like I was trying everything to avoid the big, those big forks in the road. And I, I bottomed out at like killing my dad in prison with five stars. Okay. Like, so, but then it would force me to go back. Like I could end it that way, but I'd have to talk about the mother. I would eventually have to follow Colin. So yeah, here's, here's my question. Um, when they're on the, so there's a point in the story where he runs into Colin, Mm -hmm. um, and he's, he's deep in the game and he's stuck. And he's in, he's in what they call the hole. I yeah, believe. Colin's like, you're in the hole. Like, he reminded me so much of what I believe a young British, like, Hunter S. Thompson would be, like, from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yeah. with, like, the tie-dyed and the big glasses and the using of drugs to expand your mind, mm-hmm. and then going on to all these conspiracies. I, you know, I don't know much about Hunter S. Thompson, but I was getting that vibe the entire time. Right. Yeah. So, um, did, 
what decision did you... Okay, so let me go back. So <laughs> go, Colin go back. takes him to his... Yeah, go back. Uh, to his apartment. Um, he meets uh, Colin's son, who's just a baby. He meets uh, his girlfriend. And Colin says, he's in the hole. I'm going to go and show him the way out. Yeah. And so they go in a, a separate room with, I think, just like two chairs or some bean bags or something. There was a really nice like section, like like, yeah. like an, oh, or yeah, a crescent couch or whatever that I want so bad. But my thought watching that was, how many floors up are there? How did they get that into that room? Right. You know, my brain just for whatever reason thought of bean bags. I don't know why. <laughs> um, that was your choice. That, that was, was my choice. You bean chose the wrong no. breakfast cereal, and everything was just bean bags <laughs> from that point forward. But uh, they have the option to well no they they take drugs uh, well there's an option there too it's like do you take oh, it or yeah. not that's right and so i purposely said no and and then at some point uh colin distracts stuff on he looks the other way and he drops the ass in his tea anyway and says here you forgot to drink your tea oh. and st- so you still go on the drug, drug trip tr- okay and then and he's like so he's like are you mad and, and stefan's like no because he's just like losing his mind like looking at colors moving on the wall and stuff so it still pushes you that direction. It just gives you a little character moment of like showing that Colin, Colin's going to get him where he believes he needs to be. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the next uh, decision that you have to make yes. is they walk out onto a terrace um, and you can see that they've got, I don't know, probably a good 10 stories at below least, them at least. Yeah. Um, and you have the choice. Colin basically presents to him that like, there's all these ultimate timelines and you can just survive death basically uh, i don't even i should say survive death but you can survive and do he's like but, there, but he's like basically if you make this choice now there's some there, there's somewhere else there's a choice being made that's the opposite of this yeah. that's going off somewhere else he's like so because he goes he had this whole big like drug-filled rant about program and control about how pac-man which pac supposedly stands for program and control about how even though it's the illusion of pac-man trying to escape he might go off one side of the maze and come back in on the other and he's you know it's like this whole he has this whole allegory about yeah. about how choice really isn't choice and so he brings him out to the terrace he's like all right here's here's what's going to be either i jump or you jump you know either way he's like it's a decision that you got to make it's going to happen so which you know, decision did you make so the first time we watched it i i had um i had stefan jump to begin okay. with and then just because i was like you know i had a feeling that like that was going to end it and it did because <laughs> you know your main character is not dead and then i then i had uh colin go um okay. so yeah that was uh it was it was weird so like, i had yeah. colin go we only went through it the one time yeah. outside of like being able to go back and do different versions yeah. but like I didn't go through it a second time like the complete way that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, don't, I wouldn't even argue that I went through the like. There's, there's so many. Yeah, I, I had a different experience. Right. Say that, yeah. Um, but I just wondered what would have happened had he jumped. Now I guess I know that it would have ended and taken you back to where does it take you back to at that point? So it's this is going to get a little uh, splintered. So because I didn't follow Colin the first time, when it gets down to crunch time of making the game. He's in the room with you and the developer, the other, the head yeah. guy, not the developer, but the main guy, right? So he's the one who's like, well, he's like, you got to get this finished. So then it's funny because then when you go back to that point, um, it kind of fast forwards to certain things. And there's literally a point where there's a part where Colin and Stefan are in the office talking about the game. And Colin's like, all right. He's like, we could skip this part. And Stefan's like, what? And Colin goes, and it just skips right ahead to the next part of the story because it's like they know that you've been doing this narrative over and over okay. again. And it's like I didn't see it the first time through where Colin's acknowledging. He's like, we could skip this. And they move on 
to the next thing. But when I went back to, cause I, I, the second time I did it, I did it out, like out of order, quote unquote. I didn't talk about my mom until I had to. And then at that point I finally then followed, you know, Colin to his apartment. So then once he is out of the picture, um, and you have to go back again, there's a bit where Stefan's aware that he saw, um, Colin die. And there's they, so that he's under this crunch time to try to finish the game. And the wife shows up to the house and he's like, she's like, where's Colin at? He's like, he jumped to his death. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah. Oh, he's like, Oh, Oh, I hoped he made it like, like, so he was, he, he's had all these, like these, re, like these possibilities in his head yeah. that he's not even sure. And this time around, if Colin actually jumped, it's just that because of that decision, Colin's not around the rest of the story. It's a weird thing because, like, I know we're kind of getting all over the place, but there's ways later that Colin can show up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just you. So there's a lot of these permutations where it's like, the, ultimately, this ends up, and you you can tell me what you got, where the game gets finished. It's just a matter of the quality of the game seems to not necessarily be predetermined by the right decisions. It's more like the worst decisions you could make turned out to make a better game. And I don't know if that's Brooker's commentary on, you know, if you're watching a movie or watching or experiencing media, your enjoyment of something is probably going to be higher if it isn't your day-to-day life. So I, I think that that's, that's fair in the, in the sense of focusing on what happens with the game. Mm-hmm. My thought process didn't really spend that much time on what happens with the game. I was more interested in the fact that, uh, and I don't know, this goes back to when I was a kid reading Read Your, Adventure, Read Your Own Adventure books. <laughs> Read Your Own Adventure. It's just a bunch of blank pages. Read Your Own Adventure. <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure books. That's <laughs> like, um, step one, do you learn how to read or not? Like, oh, I, I, I can't even read this. I don't even know how to go forward. I clearly did not. Um, <laughs> but I had this thing where I would always want to see like how many ways I could I my objective never seemed to be to get through the book. My objective was always to see what the possibilities were and how I was going to die. No, like that's always the joke of like, oh no, my thumb's still in there, my thumb's still in there. Um, <laughs> but and, yeah, you know, my whole experience with this was it felt like every time I made a decision, there was a darker decision coming. Yeah, dark darker decision coming, and some of the endings that I got involved. Um, the 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 game being recalled essentially because yeah. of what he does yeah um and then we find that uh the daughter uh, oh so you got you got that yeah. one ending where the daughter of colin like now is oh. saying that she had found the code and is going to recreate it and then all it gets this weird thing where she's going through her her choice trees and then she's like starting to run the program on her computer screen and it's the very beginning of the thing we just watched where it yeah. says Bandersnatch in the black mirror font. And it shows Stefan waking up and it's like, wait, what was what going on here? And then, <laughs> then Brooker takes it one step further where you're watching all this and her screen fuzzes out and you see the choice branching image on the screen. And then it gives you the two options of, you know, destroy computer or, or, or throw coffee on it. Yeah. Which is something that happens earlier, like through your, the watching of this where it's like, Oh, we're still not out of this, you know, it's, and it's just kind of a funny, like screw you ending where it's like, supposedly there's credits playing and it's like, Oh no, 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 this is, this is looping back on itself again, you know? Um, so discussing the multiple endings. Yeah. Um, 
did you get the ending with the uh, kung fu? Yes. Okay. So uh, that's that was the the Facebook thing I put up a couple days ago where it's like, are you excited for us to talk about this? And it's just the therapist saying, well, she's giving you the option of like, well, if someone's controlling your life for their entertainment, wouldn't this would shouldn't it be more interesting? Yeah. And it says yeah or f yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I got I got that the first time through where you actually she ends up like pulling out these like um oh what are they? They're not katanas. They're, they're um, uh, the little um. The collapsible um, nightsticks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like there's this fight sequence that happens all of a sudden. So th- there's a choice there where it is um, stay and fight or or jump out a window. Yeah. And I stayed and fought, and that ended up like c- causing the whole thing to kind of stop right there. If you go to jump out the window, did you I, do chose that? It allowed us to do both. Okay. Uh, because it it, it uh, every time we'd get to an ending, it would be like uh, roll credits or uh, go back. Yeah. So we just kept doing it over and over again yeah. and seeing what the different choices were. But um, the second one is is that he's actually – we see that it's a soundstage. And it's actually – they're shooting Black Mirror. Yeah. Which I was really hoping the, uh, the director, David Slade, which I would not recognize him out of the crowd of people, was actually just be like, oh, cut. Like, you know. Yeah. But they didn't actually – but they had him – like the, the script supervisor was like – you know, um, Stefan's real light, his name, his real name, I forget. She's like, you can't do that. You're on a set. And he's like, what'd you call me? And it's like, yeah. it's like, my name's Stefan. It's like, do you need to sit down for a second? It's like, <laughs> so that was fun. That was a fun little, like, you got to have some fun with it. It had this, a right? callback to that uh, Twilight Zone episode that you guys did, I think. Oh, the World of season. Difference? Yeah. 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 I think it's the one where, yeah, where the guy's on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's true. Um, so I think that the, the system, the way it's set up with this, and again, I'm not a smart man. I don't know how this technology works, that you only have a certain number of go-backs in the sense that once you hit the big narrative bits of talking about your mother and then um, and then talking to Colin, and then if you you know do the whole Diet Darko thing of going back in time and trying to help change the decision of your childhood self, um, which, by the way, when you got that sequence originally, since I didn't talk about my mom the second time through – when Colin goes, not Colin, when Stefan goes into the bathroom to touch the mirror, his hand goes through it initially, probably what you saw, he goes yeah. through the mirror. If you don't talk about your mom, the mirror just breaks and you wake up. Oh. So you have to force that conversation. And um, there's a bit where that the hint, see, he keeps looking at a book about like, you know, was it C-Lock, C C-Key C or whatever the title of the book mm-hmm. is, and there's a picture of his family. I had read somewhere online that if you keep making the decision, look at the, the family photo, something different happens. It... It scared the shit out of me is what happened because the second time I did it, because I was in the same loop following the same story on over again, the author of the book just immediately shows up and stabs you. And that's it. And, oh and, then, and then you wake up. <laughs> you wake up and then you're like, that. you you have to take the book. Yeah, we definitely did not get that it's, in. It scared the shit out of me because it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like Exorcist 3 sudden, like just hallway stabbing. It nice. was so... Like, dear Lord, it was scary. Like, I was like, <laughs> like, there's no real jump scares in this other, like, so that caught me off guard. It's the only time I saw the author, like, in person in the episode. Um, so there's, so you can tell that they already had the thought process of, like, if someone's going to try to screw with this and keep this on a loop, we're going to break that cycle eventually. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think that speaks to who's in control, who's not in control. Um, but, I, there, there's the whole bit too where you know you find out he he you presented the option of of like Stefan's questioning out loud who's controlling him and it's Netflix or it gives you that branching tree mm-hmm. I love like the Netflix thing leads to the therapist talk but I loved I loved how there's these 1980s like British people being like Netflix what is that <laughs> like, 
So th- th- there's humor to be had with this, but it ultimately you have to follow the path of you're making the game at home. You have to talk about the trauma involving your mother. You have to involve uh, Colin somewhat because there's, there's times where he will show up at the end to check in on, on Stefan about the game. I don't know if you got towards that ending where the father had been killed. You had the choice of burying the body or chopping it up. Yeah. The chopping up always is the worst ending, by the way. Yeah. Because that dog comes along and was like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, no, no, the chopping of the body, actually, he leaves. He has, it's the five-star review of the game, but as Stefan's programming it, his his, his room's covered head. in blood and his father's yeah. head's there. Yeah. But anytime you bury the body, the goddamn dog, dog shows up. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Which yeah. I'm always like, why did he like bury his dad so shallow? <laughs> like, it's literally like. He's not a strong man. I yeah. guess not. No. But th- there's, um. The the bit with uh with Colin when he shows up later and he's like oh you know what's going on and Stefan has the knife and he's like oh are you going to kill me then uh, did you get to that point where mm-hmm. oh okay sorry uh, but he is like are you going to kill okay? me and he's like <laughs> he's like he's like he's like he's he basically he's like it's your choice he's like it's like I do like this life a great deal but it's your choice so you get to make the choice of like killing um, Colin or not okay and if you let him go. You still get the ending where you end up in jail, and there's the whole like expose interview with the head of Tuckersoft. Yeah, but Colin's on there too, like talking about stuff. And he and the, the reporter's like, "Well, if you could talk to Stefan right now, what would you say to him?" He was like, "I'd tell him to go back. I'd tell him to go back and make a different decision." Like he's telling the TV reporter this. So when you say how much you feel like it, like Colin is the one who is because he's so not drugged out, but he's so open to all possibilities right. that he, he's the constant commentary. Like you're going to kill me, please. You know, if you have to, like he's so resigned to, and he's like, and when you, when you don't kill him, he's like, I appreciate that. He just leaves. He doesn't question that you killed your father or that your room's covered in blood. You know, he's like, I'm out of here. Like, so, <laughs> but he's encouraging him to go back, you know? So, um, yeah, the, the, the big endings I think are a matter of where Stefan ends up at, the the rating of the game um and then there is the ending that if you do change your past i don't know if you did that one where if you go and you know he's he's in the accident yes yeah the die darko ending like (laughs) um so i don't know how many other endings there are they supposedly there's supposed to be like all these different permutations of things i can't speak to that i can speak to um there's earlier in the story where colin gives stefan a list of music to go by do you remember the two albums that you were given to choose? Oh man, um, I don't. I, it, okay, that's fine. I just one of the first time around, we were given an option of Tangerine Dream and then some other band I'd never heard of, which is probably pr- pretty great. So we're like, of course, Tangerine Dream, right? So then, as he's doing the montage of him programming, you hear Tangerine Dream. The second time I went through. I don't know what happened, but when I got to the record store, I was given two completely different records to choose from. Oh wow! Tangerine Dream wasn't an option. I'm just like, I don't know what I did to kick off. So I don't even I don't even know how many music options there right. are. It is weird. Like I was I was really taken aback by that. I'm like, oh, because I, I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I picked. I was like, well, one of these will work. And it was really interesting that even watching it a second time and actively trying to not make the decisions that I made previously, even the mundane stuff like that was giving me completely different decisions to make. I mean, ultimately, it's a matter of music, but you know what I mean. So for all its curiosity, did you ever find yourself being frustrated? Um, 
Not really, because I feel like the expediency of once you got to a path that ended with the, like the credits and says go back, it did a pretty good job of just kind of catching you up from here's where we would be at this point had you made this decision. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's a lot of that meta commentary of Colin being like, we've seen each other before or whatever, or that whole like, we could skip this. Like you get some of those quick like Cliff's notes to bring you right back to the decision that you want to revisit. Mm-hmm. I saw it wasn't annoyed. I just wondered if there was actually an ending and ultimately both times when I did this, the first time with the decisions that my wife and I wanted to make while watching it and the second time while actively trying to choose everything I didn't or to break the system, I would eventually end up on the full screen credits and I could not go back. So I wasn't frustrated. I was just wondering how far the string would run out until it told me to stop doing it. Okay. Were you frustrated? A little bit towards the end, I think just because I wanted a finite ending, because mm-hmm. I think I got to a point where the endings were as different as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yes, when you get to the Kung Fu fight, that's like, a oh, man, that's awesome. But every ending outside of that felt like it was just a little different. Um, yeah. And I was looking for, like, another wacky ending or another, you know, um, crazy happening or something... Um, you know, revelatory, you know, and that may be me asking too much of something that's already like so complex that because you got to think like, I mean, in terms of like the whole narrative of this book drove somebody crazy and now this game's driving somebody crazy. Like, can you imagine the production of this? It's like, well, where, where do we want these decisions to be made? And then what happens with this? And then because this isn't interactive media that people have to watch, how do we effectively loop things back and yeah. then present different choices? Because uh, even, even with the thing of killing your father, if you keep making decisions, you have to do that over and over again. And there's literally a point where it kind of zipped through that part of it. And you see Stefan just pick up the ashtray already resigned yeah. to doing it. And it's like, it's a small moment. But it speaks a lot to he's like, well, this is going to happen. Not the I'm not in control of myself. It's more like I'm giving myself up to the decision that I know I've already made. Like there's some nice wrinkles to that. And so I, the, the endings may not have been that big and different. You're right. But I liked I liked that there was these little bits here and there where it's like, oh, this this thing still knows that I now know this. Mm-hmm. And that's credit to Brooker and David Slade and everybody and the actors. Because could you imagine being like, give me take one of this ending? Or give me take two of of what like you guys you're gonna kill your father at least eighty seven different ways. I need you to show me you know, different right. emotions for all of this. Um, yeah, so I like that. Uh, there's a bit too uh, where after you kill your father, you go to call us up an appointment with the therapist, and there's recalling a phone number you had to put in. Mm-hmm. Did you, I don't know if you did that part of it or not? Yeah, I did, and I got the number wrong. Okay, well if you get the number right, all you do is set up an appointment. And it's you go and talk, right? And it, it doesn't really affect. It kind of gives you almost the darkest ending because he's like everything's fine now, and then you find out like you know his father's head's in his bedroom. But if you screw it up, it doesn't change it all that much. But if you have to go back again, um, when you get a phone call from the developer, he's you already say it'll be done today, and you hang up the phone. Like you don't even have the conversation about the making of the game because he already knows that you're getting a call from the developer of like what's going on with this. So it's kind of funny that it's like, you don't even have to deal with this. He's like, I'm, I'm on it. Hangs up the phone. His dad's still dead. I, I feel like I'm talking gibberish, but this is what this whole thing is. It's like not gibberish, but it's, it's, it's a hard thing to discuss in full because we can't discuss every possible like permutation and choice. I just really like that your experience, even though we talked through all this is different than my first experience. And it's different than my second experience. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, 
and this is more on Netflix than it is just Black Mirror or the subject of the the uh, Banner Snatch itself. Um, but what do you think about the way that they're sort of changing the way that we interact and 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 get our media? Because like this time last year, I mean, granted we're a few weeks early, but you know, this time last year, Super Bowl runs around, and they're like, you know, the day of the Super Bowl <laughs> at midnight. We're giving you the third Cloverfield film. Yeah, which you know? I was like, I'll watch that, and I regretted it. But yeah, but it, but it, it was more like, wow, they just did this. Yeah, and it's like they just announced it. You, you know? know, and you know, whether it's them doing their own original programming or bringing things over from the BBC, or you know, right now people are also really involved with the. And I haven't watched the show. Um, I believe it's a Japanese woman who is showing people how to tidy up their lives, basically. <laughs> Um, I know I haven't watched either. Where everyone's just like, "Oh, it's helped me so much." I'm like, "Get away from me, Satan!" I like my things. <laughs> like, they're like keep, keep keep thirty books, and it's like there's the whole meme yeah. of like everyone's like, "What on the nightstand?" Right. Like, okay. <laughs> um, but I think that you know they keep innovating and they keep bringing other things to their platform that I think that you know, and everybody's doing a wonderful job right now. I mean, we are in a time where. Our problem with media is that there's so much good stuff out mm-hmm. there that we can't get to it all, which, you know, 30 years ago was like we had three channels and we were like, I, I don't watch CBS because it's the old people channel or, you know, I don't know why I was Southern suddenly. But like, I got to watch my Dr. Quinn Medicine <laughs> Woman's. Um, do you know what I mean, though? So like, to answer your question, uh, first, Netflix has been working on this choose your own technology for a bit because there's some of their, their their kids programming have these options. Oh, so the tech that went into this is different. It took a while, but I, but the idea is still there. So there's a lot of kids shows that actually let you choose things, which I think I that's, didn't know that I I haven't watched any of it, but I like I think that's fun because it keeps the kids engaged and they can choose things, and you know that that's cool. Um, there is another Netflix series called Minecraft Story Mode, and I know it sounds like I just made up a bunch of nonsense words, but um, Minecraft as a game, which I know you know, where people make blocks and whatever they craft mines, I don't know. Um, there was a Telltale game, which we talked about Telltale games previously, where a lot of Bandersnatch feels like this Telltale experience of it, you're interacting and choosing things, but it is a story, you know, where those games there, they are, you know, they are games to play, but it is more of an interactive, like what would this person say, as opposed to going and go and shoot things with the Minecraft story mode that was developed by Telltale for Netflix. So people could have interaction. So there is some of that in place already. Um, I think this is a fun thing. Cause one, how, how difficult is it? today with the way we're all scattershot looking at our own black mirrors and everything else to have something singular that could be an experience that you and I could have a conversation about and everybody else can have a conversation about, but the outcomes could be different enough to spark like an, an interactive conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to just being like, Hey, did you watch bird box? Yeah. Memes, you know, whatever. Um, I feel but even like, that like yeah. has, you know, inspired people to like drive with blindfolds on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that was Cougar's name. Was it Sheila? Was that the name of the Cougar? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. Anyway, so I I think I think it's interesting because then that gives you it, it gives you a common experience 
to discuss that's different than just like saying, did you see that movie? And then, then having the shared, like you can still talk about the shared moments, but I just mentioned like three or four different things that you didn't experience. Yeah. And I ruined them for you terribly, um, that you didn't experience watching this. And there's things that you would, you know, that it's, it's this nice back and forth. So I think that's interesting. I think Netflix is a big enough platform that something like this can cause enough of a splash that everybody can talk about. Um, I don't need this for all of my media. You know, right. so and I don't need like as an experiment, it's fun. Um, and if if like um, and trick or treat, the, the guys in there mentioned that, like if you do this like once a year where something comes out like this, that's not necessarily Black Mirror, but it's like you know what if you did what if you did an action movie that gave you more choices of this I don't know something different, right? I or, mean, my head because I you or know, horror movie horror, that's yeah. what I mean, like a slasher movie where you're trying to basically escape. A slasher, yeah, like, and the choices that you make, you know, either get you out or, you know, you become chum. I mean, how how much different is this than Dragon's Lair, though? The the video game where well, I never finished Dragon's Lair. That's fair, <laughs> but I mean, the whole thing is like it's it was this laser disc that you know would move yeah. along and you'd be Dirk the Daring and it'd be I like move just, left, move right. I always felt it was. I always felt that it was not beatable anyway. I always just probably not. Was... There's that one person like, I beat it in one quarter. Good for you. I just, I would never, be, I, even yeah. playing like emulators of it, I can't finish it. Um, but it's, it's still, that's almost it. This, this is it. The idea of the framing of it being someone programming a video game that gives you choices. And there's even later on when Stefan starts going down the hole where he's like, Oh, I figured it out. I'm just going to remove actual choice and give them the illusion of choice. Yeah. There's a lot of that commentary in there where, you know, it's just in, and basically Brooker's kind of smiling the entire time being like, I'm giving you guys also the illusion of choice. And I think that's because when I mentioned that once you get past these certain, like, you know, gateways of these story points, you're going to get an ending. Like there's the, you, as much as you have quote unquote choice of what the decisions that you make right now, you do not ultimately have a say in how it rounds up. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I, I guess the point that I was making is, is that like, it, it seems to me that, you know, Netflix, um, no matter what is, is finding ways to either bring new media to you that you didn't even know existed, mm-hmm. obviously, um, or at least get something more out of an audience than just putting something on like nobody knew that the third cloverfield field movie was going to come and like blow any sort of news story that was going to happen out of the super bowl out of the water like i don't remember anybody talking about the super bowl i mean maybe that's just the the circles that i run in i don't know the eagles won they beat the patriots there was some discussion about it okay. yes i don't remember that at all yeah, i just remember just... everybody talking about cloverfield so yeah. I just I think it's interesting the way that they're you know um, approaching the next thing I guess you know mm-hmm. um, and it's it's an interesting time that we live in where there's so much content and everybody's fighting for your attention you know the way that they're they keep subverting you know your expectations or subverting or getting your attention I should say so I just think it's an interesting. I, I don't know. Experiment, yes. And you're right. I don't need like 30 of these. But, you know, done right, it could be its own category at some point where you go to Netflix and then there's, you know, its own category. Interactive it's, experience. Well, you know, choose yeah. your own movie or choose your own adventure movie. Well, movies. that's just it. Like they, they can't call it that because those yeah. guys are suing them. But, you know, like. Um, choose your interaction. Yeah. Cho- yeah. So, no, I, I think I, this. 
if, if the story had been anything other, well, I mean, I guess if you give me branching paths, it'd be fun. But I think the whole conceit is that it's involving video games and logic and mm-hmm. like decision making getting elevated it more for me, not just because I love video games, but it's more like it's in on the conceit the entire time. And then the moment Stefan, you see him not wanting to tug his earlobe or chew his fingernails. You're like, Oh, like he has to, he is compelled because I clicked a button. Yeah. Like there's, there's something there that I just like, I knew like, that's why I love black mirror because it's always like, it, it's, it's not always on the joke, but it's going to take it. It's going to be like, Oh, you think this is funny? Well, we're going to make it like to the point where this isn't funny. It's just devastating. And it was funny for a bit for him, but once he's in the kitchen saying, I'm not in control of myself and he kills his dad, it, it is pretty, it is, it is um, dark. Well, you know? it's also interesting to me, uh, like I kept seeing comparisons to the movie Clue. Have you seen Clue? I, I, I mentioned that um, I would, in passing, because like, I was like, you know, from a distance, like through the chat room of Trick or Treat Radio, I mentioned that Clue, well, no, because I wasn't actually talking, I, I logged in, like I was like, hey guys, like listening to the thing, you know, and I mentioned that to them, and they talked about it as well, where Clue, when it was originally shown in theaters, it had an A, B, and C ending. Yeah. And, and, and depending upon showtime and location, you got a different ending. Yeah, that was during the glory years when my brother worked at the theater, so I saw like everything that came out. Mm-hmm. Like, so I remember seeing that, and then my mind being blown that you know, because we only had it in one theater in Sandusky, so it wasn't like I was going to get another ending. Yeah, but finding out that like there were other endings was just like completely like <laughs> mystifying to me, and I I can't help but wonder now if they'll if if Netflix will do this. Like, imagine if the the next season of of uh, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, imagine if the last episode is completely different for different regions of the country. <laughs> that would be... Like, that, that would, be, would just... What, what if Game of Thrones was ending differently right. for everybody? It's like you had six different people take the throne, and everyone's like, huh. And then they'd all argue. I'm like, no, that's not what I saw. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then, like, two months later, they're like, okay, you get... Everybody gets the all the versions available yeah. to them or something like that. But I, it, I think that... Like, that'd be funny it would be funny it would be an interesting experiment to see people's like because then there is this imprinting of like the first thing you see has to be the correct ending right right and so can your mind accept like oh no 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 we're giving you all these endings it's like when you watch like alternate endings on a movie like on a dvd it's like oh well i could see why they didn't go for that or or you're like i like that why didn't they go for that but because you saw the original ending what was released to you that's always going to be stuck in your head first so I, th- that would be, oh, that'd be mean, but it'd be fun. Like yeah. I, I would like that a lot. I don't know. I think it's an interesting time that we live in. Um, what if they go back and, and think... shoot different endings for movies that we already know? <laughs> like, and they just sneak them in there, like you know, like. Just... Well, what's interesting is is that this movie takes place in 1984. In 1984, Ghostbusters was released, <laughs> and I wasn't planning on watching Bandersnatch until you had suggested it. That's true. By my watching, Bandersnatch. Uh, there was a set of um, things set in motion that ended up with a Ghostbusters 3 being announced in the same week. You're right. We should so go back. someone is controlling us. I should go back and make you not watch Bandersnatch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would just be funny if the... Like, set you know, of circumstances is the word I was trying like, to find. If they went in and shot like, different things to the Marvel films, because like, like, I know they're losing those soon, but it's like, you know, like at the end of Black Panther, he just dies there and doesn't go... Like, like, what, like Killmonger, God, what? Like, it would just be funny. Like, just, what, just, what if they would have done that in the theaters, though, where like different Avengers got taken out by the snap? <laughs> Like, you know, you're in California, and for some reason, Captain America and Tony Stark don't make it out. But, yeah. you know, in Ohio, Spider-Man and, uh, you know, Black funny. Panther don't make I, it out. 
they'd be crazy, but I would have enjoyed that. That'd have been great. So, all right. Um, I think Bandersnatch as an experiment was fun. I think as a Black Mirror episode, it was quite effective. It didn't go as tech heavy, or I should say not tech heavy, because it was definitely tech heavy with programming and talking about all these things I didn't understand. It, it, it isn't this glimpse into the future that most of these things are. However, it, it because of the single person creating a game thing doesn't really happen much anymore. It's, I mean, there's still independent developers. There's still people that make things on their own, uh, all, completely. Like there's a game called Stardew Valley that's out. That is like, um, Farmville meets like Pokemon that meets like Minecraft made by one guy. And it's like, people love it. Like my wife, Mary loves the game and it's like very charming, but it's a huge game that was made by one person mm-hmm. that does not really happen anymore. You know? So the, this kind of like you, whenever you couldn't you couldn't do something like this now set in today or in the near future and probably have the same resonance as you would as the like the one kid stuck in his bedroom programming a game so i appreciate that i just this was fun and i i dropped everything just to watch it because i know i always talk about my list of things i get to this was i just yeah. we had another episode planned actually and we literally we, dropped everything yeah and, that was me i know yeah. I, I um well it wasn't yeah. like you know you're like hey can you watch a 12 you know part miniseries or something it was you know two hours of my time I'm like, it wasn't Steve, i want to talk about the expanse we've not watched the series yet <laughs> it's three seasons on amazon you may not have amazon if you use the sub at amazon prime and buy each season like and watch it before wednesday no but it was it was a you know uh, a drop everything kind of thing. Yeah. It was like let's get in on the conversation. So yeah. So all right. Um, yeah, I'm sure we could keep talking and go back and keep talking and go back and keep talking about Bandersnatch. But let what do you guys think? Um, you know, let us know on our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. If you had seen it, tell us you know what your thoughts are. If you've not seen it. We ruined a hell of a lot of it and probably doesn't make any sense until you get to it, but we ruined a lot of it. So our apologies, but you were warned. Go back. Um, you can find us on invasionpodcast.com. It's where I have my blogs from the year of the knockoff. Uh, year of Canon's coming soon. Still struggling with how I'm going to write these because it's going to be like, I'm just watching a movie. What did I think? As opposed to, did it knock off something? I don't know how to rate these. This is going to be weird. Um, but you can find it there, invasionpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music. Um, well, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can please find us, rate and review us. That'd be great. And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can also uh, buy a copy of the comic of the Saturday Night Slasher at our Etsy store, which is the Art of the Slash. We've got the comic, we've got art prints, we've got buttons and stickers. So all that kind of cool stuff is there. And then uh, May 31st through June 2nd, in Westlake, Ohio, I'm going to be at uh, Retro Invasion Weekend along with my partner Ryan Cassandy for the Saturday Night Slasher. Uh, there's going to be some great guests there. Just kind of give you a, a heads heads up. I tried to do this last week by memory, couldn't do it, so I actually <laughs> pulled it up this week. Uh, but you got uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Everybody loves him. Uh, you've got Diane Franklin, who is in uh, um, Terror Vision, which is a um, uh, 80s horror movie that not a lot of people know about. I don't even know if I call it a horror. It's more of a campy sci-fi type romp, but it's fun. Uh, you got uh, Robert Kurtzman of KNB. Um, you've got uh, Mark Metcalf, who most people know as the maestro from the episodes of the Seinfeld. I believe he was in two episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, we've also got uh, Courtney Gaines, uh, who was in Children of the Corn, so stay away from him. 
or go say hello to him. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice gentleman. Uh, Felissa Rose, Ari Gross, uh, Danny Hicks. Uh, I'm just going to stop reading these, but uh, a lot of cool people going to be there. Last week, I didn't have enough information. This week, I gave you too much. You decide. Uh, <laughs> go back. But uh, <laughs> we hope to see you there in uh, May. And uh, yeah, come find us on the internet. Stop uh, by the web. Or stop by the web. Stop by the, stop web. By the website. Like, read the comic. Order you happen a copy to be from online, Just stop by the web. Yeah, just that's fine. And also, um, yes, uh, this Sunday, January twentieth, um, which you know this is dating it um, horribly, but if you guys are available and you live in the Cleveland area and are close to Lakewood, and you know don't have to work Monday morning, this is a very small, narrow group of people. However. At the Winchester Music Tavern, which is in uh, Lakewood, Ohio, um, there will be an It's Always Sunny in Birdtown, which that's what they call that area of Lakewood. It's an It's Always Sunny uh, Philadelphia trivia contest, costume contest. Lots of episodes of It's Always Sunny will be playing. There's going to be rum ham. I know Steve doesn't understand what that is, but it's it's ham soaked in rum. Spoiler. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds self-explanatory. Uh, there's, just, there's this episode where uh, Danny DeVito's character is like floating out in the ocean, like uh, like the Jersey Shore, and he you can't take liquor with you to the beach. Beach, so he soaked a ham and and rum, and he's supposed to be just like getting like you know just wasted on ham while sitting in this like inner tube, and he he loses it. And it goes floating out away from him, and it's the same. It's very similar to Castaway. Whenever Tom Hanks loses Wilson, <laughs> he just keeps yelling for the rum ham, and it's just floating away from him. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be there. It'll start at eight p.m. on Sunday. I will be there. I am. I'm going to be a judge for the costume contest. So, come wear your best. It's always sunny in Philadelphia costume, and I might pick you to be the winner. Um, but yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not uh, saying that if you gave him a, you know, a little bit of. Yeah. scratch on the side and yeah that's i mean money. i i am open to bribes i don't yes. know i'm easily corruptible uh yeah and uh, uh music will be provided by uh, dj sam sinister who always runs the angry hour there on fridays there so it's going to be a good time so you guys should come out and uh and and enjoy a show full of terrible people doing terrible things so nice all right so all right enough about enough about all that let's just get to um to get to the greatest video game ever made that's right time to play the game So we just got done talking about a episode of Black Mirror Bandersnatch that involved creating a video game. So what we're going to do today is is, uh, I'm going to give Paul choices and he's going to create a video game. And then once it's all done, I'll reveal what the video game is. So Super Neil Breen Brothers. <laughs> that is that that's an alternate title. You could use it. I actually <laughs> don't have a title for this yet. So um first part of the game here, I need you to pick a piece of paper out of my hand and then tell me what the number is. Oh, oh, oh. I'm not there a magician, I will not guess the number, you just have to tell me. One twenty eight. Okay. All righty then. <laughs> Next, I need you to pick a number between one and eight. Seven. Alrighty, so the next part of this, we're going to figure out basically logistics of the game here, and I'm going to read you off certain things, uh, characteristics, descriptions, and you have to pick what the main character is going to be. Now, these are all based off of um, already existing IPs, so, you know, um, I'm just here to steal. Okay. Uh, Your lead character, you've got five choices, um, and this would be your avatar for the game. Uh, The first one here, uh, they're well-rounded. Often leads with their mouth, but is constantly on the run. Okay. The second one is known for being sharp, has a sense of adventure, and a pr- 
predilection for wearing short shorts. Uh, the third one is adept at putting uh, a good spin on things. Uh, is always uh, striving for the brass ring, but is not really a strong swimmer. <laughs> uh, the fourth one is uh, good in a fight, but terrible at making deals. Suffers from some severe anger issues and is a good father. Uh, and lastly, uh, the last one that we've got to pick for him uh, worked as a lowly lab assistant. Um, their favorite Star Trek The Next Generation character was Data. And they could smell what was cooking long before Dwayne Johnson could. <laughs> so of those oh. five, was there one that really grabbed you? The, the, the sharp one with the short shorts. Sharp one with the... All righty. So that was number two. Uh, this next one here, this one's a little bit easier to figure out. Uh, this is just going to be what your power-ups are. Okay. So you get to choose one of these. So first one is an overshield. Basically, that's just a shield that'll protect you for you know an indiscriminate amount of time uh, and render you completely invulnerable from attack. Okay. Uh, second one here is uh, you'd be able to grow twice your size. <laughs> Third one here is you can shoot a fireball. Fourth one is uh, you get a super suit for flight. Or fifth one is invulnerability for up to and as long as your theme song goes. I, I was going to say, like, four out of the five sound like this Mario power-ups. Uh, <laughs> and the overshield sounds like Halo. Um, oh, I'm just going to go with the ability to throw fire. I mean, I know, I know what that power-up is, and I enjoy it. All right. Uh, now we've got to pick some bosses. Okay. And this is very similar to how we picked our league characters. So uh, you get to, there's you're going to pick two bosses, um, but I have two sets of five to go through. Okay. So we'll do the first boss. Uh, boss one has a distinctive smile, uh, loves his tiger, but is a real knockout. <laughs> um, the second one also has a distinctive smile. Uh, favorite song to listen to is Slaughter's Up All Night, Sleep All Day, and uh, loves a good cape. The third one is um, a character who would sport a man bun, but knows his mortality and has four arms to hold you with. <laughs> uh, number four, or the fourth choice, would be uh, has the body type of the Tasmanian Devil, uh, often comes apart at the seams, and if he were in the DCU, he'd probably be in the Sinestro Corps. <laughs> and oh. then the last one. Oh, okay. Uh, packs a big appetite. Uh, their favorite dessert is a blizzard, and could kill you in the blink of an eye. So, of the bosses that I just described, which of them do you want to have in your game? Um. Uh, the well, the first one involved a tiger and a knockout. Yes. Yeah, we'll do that one. All righty. And a, an ex a noticeable smile or whatever. A, a distinguished distinctive smile. smile. Yeah. All righty. Boss number two. Uh, so boss number two looks great in blue and purple, uh, shows up when they're least expected, and has a record of killing you and your friends. <laughs> uh, boss two, the second choice, is uh, often mistaken for dragon, uh, his spikes are worse than his bite, 
And some say his breathment game is on fire. Uh, third choice. Uh, can cosplay as a Gamorrean guard, nicknamed Carrot Top by his friends, and his least favorite social network is LinkedIn. Uh, (laughs) number four uh, favorite food is uh, bananas Uh, can be what some would consider a barrel of fun (laughs) and climbed the corporate ladder multiple times last one here is the strong silent type has been a victim of a pyramid scream and is a bit of a metalhead so, of those five, anything I'll, jump out I'll at you? I'll go with the last one, uh, the pyramid scheme and metalhead. All right. And then the last thing that we have to do here is is we have to figure out what the cheat code we're going to use to play this game okay. is. All right. So, your first one is is uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Uh, the next one is is you're just going to enter in the words, or I'm sorry, the letters IDFA. <laughs> The third one is you're going to enter in the word Justin Bailey. Uh, the fourth one is A B A C A B B. Abacab. Okay. Okay. And then the last one is up, down, left, right, A plus start. So do any of those cheat codes ring a bell for you? And- they, they do. The first one's the Konami code, obviously. Uh, the second one was um, oh, that one. I don't remember. Third one's from Metroid, um, the Justin Bailey one, if I remember right. And then, um, oh, what was the fourth one? A B A C. Oh, that's the Genesis Abacab for the controller for a lot of the Genesis games because it was only the three buttons on the controller. I forget which game that was though. I thought there was a couple of them. And then the last one was. Uh, yeah, that one I don't remember either. So I'll I'll go I'll go with uh I'll go with Abacab. Okay. Oh. All right. So I'll tell you what that is once we get to the end of the game here. Okay. So uh what we're gonna do now is is uh, I'm just gonna tell you what the game we created is. Okay. Super um, Green Brothers. Yes. But the uh the first part of the game here, we have to pick out our console. So when you picked out that number, you had a choice between eight bit, sixteen bit, thirty two bit, sixty four, or one thirty two bit. Oh nice. Or, I'm sorry, one twenty eight bit. I, I picked the one twenty eight. You picked the one twenty eight. So you could do uh the PlayStation two, the Xbox, or the GameCube. Oh, Xbox. Xbox. All right. Yeah. So this game is only going to be for Xbox <laughs> along with I like it's coming out now. Yeah. Like, you know, this is this is two generations behind. <laughs> um, the uh, number of levels that we are going to have in the game is seven because you okay. picked one through, through eight. You picked seven. Okay. All righty. So the lead character, these are the options that I gave you. The first one was uh, well-rounded, leads with his mouth, and is constantly on the run. That was Pac-Man. Yeah. You did not choose him. Uh, the third, the next one uh, that you didn't choose was adept at putting a good spin on things, always striving for the brass ring, uh, but is not a strong swimmer. That was Sonic. Uh, next one is good in a fight, but terrible at making deals, suffers from severe anger issues, but is a loving father. Do you remember who that was? No. Okay, that's Kratos. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, you're right, he doesn't make deals. Um I mean, he made one bad one, you're right. He made one yeah. bad one. Yeah. Uh, the next one was uh, worked as a lowly lab assistant. Uh, their favorite 
uh, next generation character with data and they could smell what the rock was cooking before Dwayne Johnson. Is that no? Or, no. Okay. Uh, that was actually Mega Man because he worked as a lab assistant. Oh, his name was Rock. rock. Yeah. And uh, oh, I have failed the Mega Man thing. That's, <laughs> and Kratos. Like those are like yeah. I I guess I'll just show myself out the door. So this next one, favorite the... favorite uh, was Data. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who is an android. Yes. Uh, so the one that you chose was known for being sharp, has a sense of adventure, and a predilection for short shorts. That, of course, was Laura Croft. Oh. Did you, you said sharp. I don't. I had no idea. I was going to be surprised. The sharp is referring to the polygon cow, their yeah. initial tomb raider. Her, yeah, the, 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 the polygons were very uh, pronounced and pointy and not very <laughs> not very real to life. Let's just say that. Um. And then your power up, you did choose from uh, Super Mario Brothers. The fire flower. The, the firepower. I just felt like those were the ones that were probably the most, you know, with the exception of like the overshield. And, um, you know, those were all basically Nintendo ones. So. Yeah. Um, your bosses, um, I'm going to go through the ones that you didn't choose. First one uh, has a distinctive smile. Uh, his favorite song is Slaughter's Up All Night, Sleep All Day. And uh, loves a good cape. Did you have any idea who that might be? No. That was Dracula from Castlevania. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, this one, I, I feel like you laughed at it, so I think you know who it was. They smort, sported a man bun, uh, knows their mortality, yeah. and has four arms to hold you. Yeah, that was um, Goro from uh, Mortal Kombat. That yeah. is correct. Um, the next one here had the body of a Tasmanian devil. Uh, often comes apart at the seams, and if they were in the DCU, it would be a part of the Sinestro Corps. Is it Oogie Boogie? Uh, it's not Oogie Boogie. Uh, maybe that's another name for him. It's the Yellow Devil from... Oh, Mega Man. No, but I was thinking Oogie Boogie, because I was thinking the part of Fear, Seem, yeah. coming apart at the seams, kind of blocky shape, like it... I, I don't know. I just know that. Like, I was like, he, why is Oogie Boogie a video, video game guy? No. <laughs> no, the Yellow Devil. I've never beat the Yellow Devil okay. uh, in the original Mega Man. That was the, my stumbling block. I never got past that. So, yeah. Clearly, clearly, I'm on my Mega Man game tonight. So. <laughs> uh, the next one after that was uh, Packs a Big Appetite. Uh, favorite dessert is a blizzard and could kill you with a blink of an eye. Uh, I'm hoping I'm saying this right. It's from World of Warcraft. Sathun, Cthun. Oh, Cthun. Cthun. Like I would, you, you said his favorite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. yeah. I like that you're trying. You're trying to meet me halfway. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know how to say that. Sathun. I'm a Cthun. I'll tell you all about Cthun. It's a big eyeball that kills people. Yeah. Um, funny thing about Cthun, like when they originally released that encounter, um, they people were actually going to Blizzard and trying to show mathematically it was impossible to beat yeah. in terms of what was required to defeat them. And there was people that were coming up with all these different ways and they eventually had to tune it down a little bit because at that time, um, this was like 13, 14 years ago, there were these guilds that were racing for number one kills, like first ones to do it. And it was weeks and months before people were actually down Cthulhu because they were just like, it's physically impossible, but no one wanted to give up because they wanted to be first. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that they had to release a patch for it. Yeah. yeah. It was, just, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, There's your Cthulhu talk today. Yeah. There you go. Um, 
And the boss that you chose for your first one had a distinctive smile, loves his tiger, and is a real knockout. Who'd you pick? I thought that was the great tiger from Punch Out. Well, it wasn't the great tiger. It was Mike Tyson because he's got the tiger in. Um... Oh, I'm glad I was in the right game. Wrong <laughs> you were person. The right, yeah. Yeah. He owns the tiger in The Hangover, but the great tiger was called the tiger. And, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Punch Out is the first boss of our video game. Uh, I guess I'm never beating it. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the second boss uh, of the ones that you didn't chose, uh, first one looks great in blue and purple, shows up when you're at least inspected, and has a record of killing you and your friends. Did you have any idea? No. It was Jason from the Friday the 13th <laughs> oh, game. Oh, okay. Because, uh, yeah, purple and teal, Jason. Yeah. Up there. yeah, yeah. And then uh, it would always end, and it would say, uh, you and your friends are dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one here was often mistaken for a dragon, uh, has spikes, his spikes are worse than his bite, and some say uh, his breath mint game is on fire. Is it King Koopa? Or uh, Bowser? Bowser. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So that one I thought was kind of easy. Uh, next one, uh, can cosplay as a Gamorrean guard, nicknamed Carrot Top by his friends, and his least favorite social network is LinkedIn. Is it Ganon? Yes. Dorf? Yeah. Ganon, whatever. Yeah. I, I tried to make that one obvious. Yeah. Um, Next one here was uh, their favorite food was bananas, can be a barrel of fun, and climb the corporate ladder multiple times. I just got Gamorrean Guard. I didn't understand what you're saying about that. Cause I, like, now that I have Ganon in my head, I didn't know that was a Gamorrean Guard. I didn't look it up on my phone. Okay. Like, that's a Star Wars thing. And I'm like, <laughs> huh. Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, and then the one that you chose was a strong stylet type, had been a victim of a period med scheme, and is a bit of a metalhead. Is it is it Pyramid Head from yeah. Silent Hill? <laughs> yeah. Screw that guy. Like, uh, <laughs> creepy. Like I've I've only I've only ever played Silent Hill two, and he was one of the main. He wasn't even like the main boss. It was just Pyramid Head was con. If, if he was around, you're probably dead. Yeah. Like and it was creepy, or you could hear him dragging his huge sword behind him. Like, very very uh, late nineties, early two thousands, like you know aesthetic, but. Yeah, Pyramid Head's kind of stuck around people. Like you see that show up every so often. It's creepy. Yeah. And then uh, for your cheat codes, obviously up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start was your correct, the Konami code. Yeah. Uh, IDFA is God Mode in Doom. Oh, okay. So, like, you had all the weapons, full ammo, and 200% armor. Um, Justin Bailey, you're correct, is uh, Metroid. Metroid, and that gives you the ability to run around in a pink leotard and boots. That, that gives you the uh, the Samus out of her suit. Yeah, and people, you talk about talk about people being mad. Like, what? Samus is a girl? Like, <laughs> no, there was people that I mean really. I mean, it, I, I I never. Played. It was a big deal at the time to have a main protagonist be a female because it was one of those things that you could finish Metroid and not know. Okay. Um, and until the very end, if I remember right, but that code revealed that Samus was a female. Yeah, I'd never played Metroid, so and it was a big deal having me. a main character be a girl. So okay. Yeah. Um, I just like the fact that it was a pink le- leotard. So. Yeah. Um, A B A B. C A oh no that's the one you chose so let me yeah. go back uh up down left right A plus start was start any level on the uh it- um oh god I should have wrote it wrote it down it was starting a level I believe on one of the Mario games oh yeah I don't know um and then uh, the one that you chose 
which was Abacab. That's Blood Mode from Mortal Kombat. On okay, the Genesis. Genesis. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for your game, uh, it's playable on the Xbox. There's seven levels. Uh, you're going to play as Laura Croft. You're going to uh, have the ability to shoot fireballs. Uh, you're going to fight Mike Tyson and Pyramid Head. And you're going to be in blood mode. Well, I just think I, I think I created a game that I cannot possibly play and, and win. So there you go. It's your own little bandersnatch. <laughs> it's my own little bandersnatch. Little baby bandersnatch. All right. So that was funny. Um, I, I like the, the random Cthulhu appearing. That was, uh, <laughs> was not. Of all the things I thought we'd ever talk about on the show, Steve, I didn't think Cthulhu would be one of them. So, to, be, yeah. to be perfectly honest, every time I set out to make a game, I try to not make it complicated. And then I get to it. And go, <laughs> wow, this is really complicated. I should have oh. dumbed this down some. So, not for you. No, but for I, all, the sake all, of me having to read it. I'm just glad I got Sake of Thune. Uh, there, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of World of Warcraft old god bosses that have names like that, like Cthune and Nyloroth and um, what was it, Yogg-Saron. And like, there's always things where you're like, you see it typed out, you're like, I'm, I think I can say that. And you hope that somebody, one of the characters in the game say the name out loud. You're like, oh, that's how you, oh, okay, there we go. That's better. I had no idea. You know, so, yeah. All right. Anyway, that's going to do it. That's fun. So you guys can pick this up at all Babbage's and Electronics Boutiques, um, wherever it's available. Coming to Circuit City. They're coming to uh, um, b Toys. You guys can pick that up there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, next week. Um, so this one's a little different. This is what we were going to do this week, but then Bandersnatch appeared. A wild Bandersnatch appeared. So Steve and I have always kind of kicked around the idea, and this is something I think we're going to revisit maybe later, is the notion of it, there are there things out there that – the majority of people enjoy and, and, and like a great deal that maybe upon our first time watch or our experiences with it weren't great. Mm-hmm. So we want to maybe try to clean the slate, go in with fresh eyes and just see how we experience it. So this is more going to be the discussion of what baggage we took into it and then how we see if we could, what we could set aside and try to judge it on its own. Right. Yeah. Um, and this, this is this is going to frustrate some people. It is the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining. Yes, um, we're going to watch that and talk about it. Uh, I do not have a, a dearth of knowledge about the film. I'm sure I'll do some reading up on it and everything as we talk about it. Uh, but I don't know if the conversation is going to necessarily be about that. It's going to be about the chip on my shoulder I've had against that movie for a very long time, versus what you know. I think I've seen the Simpsons Treehouse Terror episode more more times <laughs> than I have the actual Shining, the, the the original film, not the the TV miniseries. So, and and surprise, surprise, when I mentioned Steve, you were also kind of lackluster, or like you you yes. You so know. to be perfectly honest, I've only seen it once, um, and I was in high school, and I think it had been hyped up for me, and I just I don't think I would have been able to appreciate it at that who I was at that time in my life. Um, I was very much more of a, because um, I don't want to say that this isn't uh, a popular film, but I was very much more of a slasher guy, surprise and surprise. <laughs> um, so I wanted something probably a little bit different from what the movie was, and I have not revisited it since. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of that basis for going into it. So Because I feel like this is one of those things, and, it, and it, the, the genesis of it is that it was playing as a midnight showing recently around uh, in the you know, Cleveland cinemas, which we talked about previously, and I didn't get to go. Um, so I had made it a point I was going to go see it in the theater. Didn't get to figure it's time to kind of, 
I don't know. Put myself down at the altar of this thing again and see how I feel about it. So I think it's going to be an interesting conversation to see how we feel about this movie. Very much removed from our initial watchings of it and our feelings surrounding it and wondering if how we feel about it is not necessarily what we're going to get out of it this time. You know? Yeah, so. I mean, it was it was tw- 25 years ago for me. So. Yeah, so. All right, so yeah, it's going to do it for us this week. Um, you know, back at it. Last week, nice, nice minute, f- minute, sorry, nice hour, 45 minutes. No, you guys got digital content this time. But you got a good discussion like, about Neil Breen, so yeah, you guys got a solid 20 minutes of Neil Breen, and then a solid 20 minutes of us being angry about Ghostbusters. So, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Have a safe week. Next week, The Shining, and it's good because we're watching it in winter in Ohio, so no food and no, was it no, no beer? What was this? No the, beer, no TV. No, no beer, no TV makes Stephen Paul go something, something. Yeah. <laughs>